everybody. Welcome to the Ray Lewis edition of the Two Bucks Sports Podcast, episode number 52. I am your co-host, Rusty Buckets, and uh, this this podcast episode tonight kind of sums up my life. It's a day late and a dollar short. Welcome in, Uncle Buck. Drew, uh, glad to have you back in action tonight after you uh, played Power Ranger all night, right? Yeah, I did, uh, and I find it very insulting that you named our podcast after a murderer, but... <laughs> It's 52. When you think of 52, you think of Ray Lewis. No, I think of Patrick Willis. I don't. I think of but Ray Lewis and his yeah. uh, his murderous background. Episode 49 was the Patrick Willis episode for his Ole Miss number, and episode 52 is the Ray Lewis episode for his NFL number. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah uh, listen, I appreciate everybody bearing with us, uh, and I appreciate the post. Uh, it was very funny, and uh, uh, I had to play Power Ranger. Uh to put things simply, buckets, uh, it hit the fan yesterday, <laughs> and it hit it hard. Indeed. <laughs> we had uh, some scheduled maintenance, no harm, no foul, but in the process of trying to maintain this substation, uh, we had a critical piece of machinery blow to smithereens. Mm. Uh, <laughs> no one could have planned for it. Nobody, it's not something that you, can, that you know is going to happen until it happens, and... It happened, and funny part, uh, if there is a funny part of it, because the residents of Tippa County um, did not have a good day yesterday. No. Uh, it was 90 degrees Ooh. here, which was part of the problem uh, going forward, because once we had to, uh, this substation go out, we had to feed it out of different substations, and it was really hot, and so then uh, you had a lot of... Uh, just load issues and that's getting too far in the weeds right now but uh, if there was a funny part uh, I had to call TVA and have them open up the transmission line that feeds my Ripley substation uh, because it was on fire (laughs) and uh, they said you know okay I understand you want us to open this 161 line I said yes I need you to open it and I need you to open it quick and they opened it and then we isolated the problem. They were able to heat their transmission line back up. But underneath that transmission line is two of our substations at Ripley at Fertippa Electric and two of Alcorn County Electric substations, the South Corn substation, and Kasuth. So I knocked my own parents out of power. <laughs> <laughs> I, I told my mom, I said, uh, you know, uh, I said, y'all just say a prayer for me. This is the biggest job I've had since taking the reins over. I said, I'm very prepared for it. You know, I'm confident. Uh, if everything works, uh, a few, you know, narrator's voice, it didn't. <laughs> uh, if everything works, uh, this, you know, nobody should know any different. You know, there's a lot of things that go on with the power company, a lot of repairs that are made that nobody knows about. That's the goal. Uh, but I think everything goes well. I'm prepared for it. Uh, but say a prayer anyways, you know, that's what I told my mom. and. And so, I called her, uh, and I was like, so, uh, she said, you know, my power went out today, and that reminded me to pray for you, and to, uh, (laughs) to pray that your job went well. And I was like, yeah, about that. (laughs) (laughs) Should have said that prayer a couple hours ago, because, uh, I was the one that knocked it out. (laughs) It was me. (laughs) It was me. It it wasn't me for all my Tippa County residents here. Please don't write me. (laughs) No, please don't. It Uh, was it was discovered by Drew. (laughs) It it was. uh, I was in charge, but it was faulty 
old equipment, the kind of thing that, you know, you know, uh, a lot of times people, you know, you get your oil change in your car, you put on new tires, but you can't help it and you never see it coming when the transmission just drops out of <laughs> the bottom of it out of nowhere. You know, yep. you do your best, you take care of your vehicle, but sometimes you just hit a deer and you can't help it. <laughs> That's you it. Know? And yesterday we hit a deer. <laughs> All I know is I got a text from Drew yesterday with some smoke in it and I said, I don't know much, but I know smoke ain't good. <laughs> yeah. And if you turn the volume up, you can hear mm-hmm. just... It just was static. It, yeah, you, it did not sound I good. Can't, I can't put into words what it's like when you're dealing with something as dangerous as 161,000 bolts. That's wild. And a piece of equipment that failed. And all you you can literally hear 161,000 volts not, op, not working correctly. Gosh. It just makes your skin crawl. And luckily... I. I was able to get TVA on the phone. I'm like, kill it, kill it, kill it, kill it. I don't care what you do, kill it. Knock out Mississippi, kill it. If not, we're going to be... The whole state's know, going dark. <laughs> I mean, that's the thing about electricity. It will open up at some point, the breaker. I mean, but there will be an opening in which the electricity cannot cross, across, you know, flash across to. But by the time it gets far enough apart to where there's an opening, that means that much stuff has to burn all the way to the ground yeah <laughs> so <laughs> i just i remember one time when i was a kid we were at mimi's house watching tv and lightning storm was coming up and i remember this big thunderclap and we saw this light go across the ceiling and down and then everything just went dark and it was like oh no oh boy <laughs> and it, it trace came in the house mm-hmm. and it blew out the tv everything went dark and then the rest of the house came on but the tv was just R.I.P. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the TV, the TV was the cheapest fix. That's it. I think the TV and both VCRs went out, and then we had to replace. Maybe you had to replace that little outlet down there. But uh, but yes, yeah. we avoided a major catastrophe. But I just remember it felt like a cart, like a Looney Tunes thing. Like everybody in the house just went swoop, swoop, <laughs> watched it go across the ceiling, down the wall, you and know, then it was dark. <laughs> my my first exposure to electricity that blew my mind was. We were driving down the road, me and my buddy Andrew, uh, League of Avengers, a uh, League of Avengers member Andrew. I don't know if he listens or not, but whatever. Uh, <laughs> we were uh, driving some, driving back from somewhere. Maybe we went to eat Tupelo or something. And it was me and him and uh, a couple guys in the back, and we're just driving down Highway 45, headed north towards home. It's dark outside and it's thunderstorm and lightning, and I swear to you, from, I mean. 50 feet in front of us as we're going 75 miles an hour down the highway lightning strikes mm. right on the edge of the pavement on our side of the road Golly. and it was so comical to like it zapped and then we drove past it it was just like smoking <laughs> and I was like I've never in my life been that close to lightning <laughs> like, it, it was just comical you know those things that happened that just so freak that everybody's just silent mm-hmm. Oh yeah, you know, just silent in the car and just like Y'all saw that, right? <laughs> you know, we'll save it for another episode. But there's, a, I have a really, really funny story about a firework going off in my old truck with me and my brother and my cousin in it. Kind of the same thing. Once it got done, we all just sat uh, there. Wait, and just like, go ahead and tell it. All right, I gotta know now. All right, so you, you, you don't, you can give us the short version. Short version, yeah. Short version. We're riding around out in Farmington, shooting bottle rockets out of the out of my truck. Like good old boys, like good old boys doing. I, I mean, I've been doing it like most of my life, and uh, Clark and Jim wanted to give it a shot one time, 
and shout out to both of them. I don't know if they listen, but shout out anyway. And I uh, was like, we got to go do this. So I'm driving my old, you remember my old blue Dodge before do. the silver one I got now. I do. And Clark's holding a bottle rocket. We got all four windows down. And we're going by a house. And he's like, yeah, I can't do it. And he lets go. <laughs> and it gets sucked out the window and then back into the back window right in Jim's lap. Uh-huh. And then it goes off. And for about, it felt like 30 minutes, but it may have been like six seconds. We got, <laughs> sparks are going everywhere. Bottle Rock is shooting around inside. We're all screaming. It felt like something out of like National Lampoon's. Like, I'm trying to squint through right. the sparks to make sure we don't hit a ditch. Just like, you're just blowing smoke out of your face. That's it. <laughs> so you can see the road. That's it. Thankfully, I had a hat on. I got sparks like showering off the brim of my hat. I pulled into the Farmington Water Department right there on, uh, on Farmington uh-huh. Road. Right. And it goes, above my head and it finally stops and we're all sitting there and like you just got that ring in your ear and we're all sitting there staring just dead stunned silence and is this what afghanistan was like <laughs> that's it there's charlie everywhere <laughs> vietnam flashbacks and then about that time jim goes i think i'd like to go home now and i said yeah. yep <laughs> yeah we were we were coming back from a show and we were playing rock and roll music and uh, it was just me and me and our friend, friend of the podcast, Zach, in the car. And we were going down a exit ramp, merging onto another highway, and it was raining. Mm-hmm. And my car did a complete 180 and hit the brakes, you know, just Jesus take the wheel through the hands <laughs> up. And the car just just stopped exactly the way we started, facing Ooh. up the highway. And we both looked at each other and were just like, I guess we just got to keep going. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So... Uh yeah, that's a funny story. I needed some funny stories today. I guess uh, that's our I guess that's our Bucks yeah. best and our Bucks beef yeah. of the week is yeah. fireworks yeah. and and near death experience in cars that work out. It's it's scary in the moment, but afterwards it's it a did. great story. It, it did. <laughs> yeah, it goes without saying. Uh, we've both had rough weeks. We know yeah. we've already talked about what the worst of the week was. Mm-hmm. You want to? You got anything uh, that you that you're thankful for? A couple things. Uh, I think I'm going to go back. I, I've used this one a lot, but, Drew, I might become a, a, like a, a CCU football game regular. Yeah. I went to my yeah. third CCU game last week of the season. You're I basically watched. a season ticket holder. That's it, man. <laughs> and I hadn't paid for one yet. That's the best part. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I went to uh, – I watched them play Georgia State, and uh, they got their butt kicked. Georgia State just absolutely – Oh, yeah. They were physical, man. Georgia State's offensive and defensive line were the difference makers. Their quarterback was a local boy from here in Conway right outside of Myrtle Beach, and he played a great game. Uh, Georgia State won the game. Grayson McCall, the good quarterback for Coastal, had no time. Their O-line just got whipped. He's still there. He's still there. He, I mean, he's making so much money. And Boj- he's in the Bojangles ad on the big board. He's on all the local stuff. Like, he's making yeah. – He. this is his moment. You can man. get 5% of NIL money from Alabama, or you can get 100% from Coastal. <laughs> That's it, man. And you get a sponsor like Bojangles, like, I'm in. Um, yeah. It's the second best – I'm changing my best. So, yes, shout-out Kayla Carr, friend of the podcast, got us some tickets. We went, and actually her brother is a tight end for Coastal. He's number 85. Okay. And so we got to sit in the family section, which was fun, but I'm changing it. Have you seen the Iowa State uh, – oh, I'm going to blank on it now, but it's a it's the Iowa Pork production. It's like the, like the Mississippi Beef Council. It's like the Iowa Pork. Okay. They're sponsoring yeah. four players. Oh, yes. Yeah. And it's the best in ideal I've ever seen outside of the yeah. Chunky Kid based with the Taco the Bell that name. we talked about. But it's based on the last name of Purchase Moore Hammond. It's H-A-M-A-N-N. 
bacon. And it's those four dudes, they're, they're paying them to be in their ads. And I'm like, this is what NIL was created for. This is why yes. college players get paid. Purchase more ham and bacon. Yeah, <laughs> That's my best of the week. If there's uh, three good stories from NIL, it's the Iowa State guys purchase more ham and bacon. Uh, it is Dakota's Crawford getting an HVAC NIL. Yep. And uh, – it's that kid from the the Popeyes what was it, Terrio? kid. Like, uh, what was his name? The, the Popeyes kid, yes. <laughs> the Popeyes kid, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, getting a Popeyes nil deal It's great. So, That's what it's made for, uh, man. This is why nil exists. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So good deal. Uh, yeah, my best of the week. Uh, I'm just you go through a week like you had. Uh, you're you're thankful to I'm thankful uh, to be in the foxhole with the guys I'm in the foxhole with at work. Uh, we've had a, a rough week, and the whole week they've been just super encouraging. You know, we've all had the benefit of working with Danny for, uh, you know, or Tip Electric as a whole has had the benefit of having Danny Caples there for 25 years, and he was such a resource, and he knew all the answers to everything. And it's something I've told the guys. It's like, listen, I'll get there. Uh, I'm confident in my abilities, but I'm green. I'm still green in this <laughs> industry. I said, so just be patient with me. It's the only thing I ask, you know. Uh, if you got any questions, uh, ask me, and we'll most of the time we'll learn it together. Uh, and throughout this whole process, it's it was very stressful yesterday and uh, into last night and to this even this morning. Uh, it was very stressful, but throughout the day, uh, just consistent encouragement and uh, telling me not to sweat it. Uh, no big deal. wasn't your fault. Uh, from my boss all the way down to the the newest guy there. It was uh, it was. It was refreshing, and I needed to hear it. So I'm thankful for those guys, thankful for the place that I work. Uh, and that's my best of the week. Um, yeah, I mean, we – So we, let's – Yeah, let's dive into last week. Speaking of yeah. beasts of the week, um, we'll go through our picks real quick. It wasn't pretty for, for you, boy. I'm, I'm The one I'm really upset about is the Notre Dame-Ohio State game. I had that oh, until they put that one extra second back on there because they, they were uh, they were fitting to win by two, and then they made them kick the extra point, and I'm livid. Not uh, only is Mississippi uh, State getting beat by South Carolina, was, but I'm living in my living room like, why are they kicking the extra point? Well, and no! not only that, I mean, I took Notre Dame in that game. No, hey, you took you Ohio. No, I took Notre Dame. You took Ohio State. That's why I was livid because you took Ohio State to win by three. Did I? Yeah, you did. I got it right here on the sheet. Well, congratulations to me. Yeah, I didn't even they know. They had it. no. Oh, Notre Dame just absolutely wet the bed. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, you give up a third and nineteen, and then you put on the most critical. I mean, the last play of the game on the goal line. Uh, as time expires, to only have ten men on the field is just embarrassing. Yeah, uh, and it was an embarrassing way to lose at home. It's one of those games, you know. You always hear about fifth down, the Missouri game from yeah. the '90s, and you hear about all these different the the games that's got the titles in. It. Ole Miss has got fourth and twenty-five, or the piss and the miss, or whatever. Yeah, you, know, you don't want games named like the that. names with titles. <laughs> no, yeah. uh, the seven overtime game. Uh, you know, you don't want a game with a title, and that's going to be one that you look back at. You know, Notre Dame, for the first time in a long time, uh, people really gave them a shot against a big-name team. Uh, I feel like most people gave them a shot. Uh, they've got a pretty bad rap in big games against against Power 5 elites uh, in, the, in my lifetime. 
Uh, but I was in, and I was I was a believer in them. Uh, I think I took Ohio State just to be different. So we would just to be different. But uh, because our picks, we only want to win. I never want to tie with you. What a uh, what a bad ways. beat, man! And, what a bad beat. And that was just a bad beat for betters uh, across the board. It was a three point. Ohio State were was a three point road dog, and uh, to win to score the touchdown that basically seals it. To put you up by two, and then college football, even if there was no time left, they still make you kick that extra point. In the NFL, that would have just ended the game. Turns out there was a second left anyways, and so they were going to have to kick the, kick the extra point and kick off. Because they reviewed it for su- like 20 such minutes. Such a bad beat, yeah. Such, such a, a bad, bad beat. beat. And in college football, NFL, do better. Yeah. There's one change you can make that would make life so simple, and you see it in other sports like tennis with the automated refs put a chip in the nose of both ends of the football and and put sensors something along the goal line so that when there's 22 people in a pile you know whether or not that ball crossed the goal line immediately you don't have to have a 10 second review you always you can also use this for down and distance you don't need to rely on 75 year old men with with uh, first down chains and a know, bad hip, don't need a change name, uh, chain chain gang. That Ole Miss Alabama game, there was a big kerfuffle mm-hmm. because With downs. Uh, uh, Nick Saban did not realize he got a first down because the the guy holding the down marker didn't change, didn't change it. it. And so on first down, he did a quarterback sneak, and then they ended up having to punt because they didn't get the get a first down. It was wild, uh, and everybody thought that they were punting on third down but i you know anyways yeah. all because we're relying on 75 year old man with a yard marker or a down marker uh put a chip in the put a chip in the ball uh this is this is very simple it can be implemented tomorrow tomorrow and just it's to. with all the technology we have for gps like you've got to be able to monitor those chips from afar, and I think that's a great idea because it, it, it took. Also, you can do it for MLB umpires if you want. Yeah, you want to talk about it, especially yeah, especially after Andrew Hernandez and his kerfuffle with, with Bryce Harper last night. But long and short of it is, on the season, Drew is eleven and eleven. Myself and our Instagram followers are seven and fifteen. We're down by four Woo! games. Yeah, man, it ain't going well. We're hey, gonna try to redeem ourselves what, this week. If you're even, that's a win when you're gambling. That's it. You man. can keep gambling as long as you stay at least even. That's it. So <laughs> us and our, me and my Instagram follower, our Instagram followers are struggling right now. But there's a lot of football to be had. I got some picks for this week. We'll get to them here in a minute. But uh, let's get into kind of a little dive, like a little deep dive of our teams. Uh, the Ole Miss Alabama game was first. I know you got some thoughts. I got some thoughts. So I'm gonna let you go first. Tell us about what you thought. Yeah, um, I was confident going into this game. Uh, there were a lot of people, a lot of Ole Miss fans, and Ole Miss fans. I would not put us. We we have our faults, but for the most part, I feel like we're pretty realistic about our expectations, especially when you go up against team against Alabama. And uh, we did not go full blown. We believe, or I wouldn't. Everybody was confident. You never go into an Alabama game confident, um, especially not, you know, putting yourself at over fifty fifty odds. And, mm. and I think I told you on the podcast, I'm sitting anywhere between forty five and fifty five. Felt like we were a fair match, and and honestly, today I still feel like if you play that game, 
it could go, you know, you play it ten times, you know, Ole Miss will have a shot. I'd lower it to three or four times to, to win out of ten uh, instead of 50-50. But uh, the way that game played out was extremely frustrating. Uh, in the first half, the defense looked incredible. For some reason, Alabama continued to try to throw the ball with Jalen Milrow, and it was not working. The defense looked incredible. You go into the half at seven to three, and you felt left let down. I texted you at halftime and I said we're better than them. Like I genuinely and and you agreed with me. And I don't know if you were just uh, pacifying me or you just said yeah. You left a lot of points on the table and we did. Hundred percent. Jackson Dart had his first garbage uh, interception, first poor decision of the year. Yeah. Uh, on a deep throw that he threw into double or triple coverage. Uh, just a frustration arm punt, basically. Uh, the offensive line did not look good all day, but even given all of that at half, you're up 7-3, and you felt like you you had a chance. You look at our game against Tulane, it was close to the half. We blew them out at the end. Same thing with Georgia Tech. Uh, you... You struggle for a half. You go in, and they've done a really good job of making adjustments and really pounding inferior teams. Um, good, especially in the case of Tulane, good but inferior teams. Um, what happened, though, is you got into half, and Alabama made the adjustments that mattered. And the offense never got off the snide. Uh, Alabama decided, you know, we're going to turn this into, you know, Roy McElroy, Alabama, and we're just going to run the ball down your throat. And that's what they did. Jalen Milrow made enough pass, made enough plays with his arm, uh, and it ended in a 24-10 to 10 victory for Alabama. And the part I was most frustrated about is Lane and the offense. And But, it, you know, we've got problems offensively. This team hasn't looked right offensively in big games since um, Jeff Lebby, the former offensive coordinator, left to before last season, went to Oklahoma. You look what Oklahoma's doing right now, by the yeah. way. Um, Cooking. <laughs> yeah, Dylan Gabriel is incredible. Dylan Gabriel was coming to Ole Miss with Jeff Lebby. Mm-hmm. Then Jeff Lebby took the Oklahoma <clears throat> job. Dylan Gabriel went to Oklahoma. He's setting the world on fire. And I'm happy with Jackson Dart. Fine. But the problem is the play calling. Uh, it's very – scheduled it feels very trapped it feels very um, you know like they're not they're not going to make any adjustments well, there was a lot of jet sweeps there's lots of plays to the edge whether it be screen passes to the boundary uh, like I said jet sweeps all of our run plays seem to take forever to get they were slow downfield. developing yeah uh, it's everything's a read option. I believe I've had this conversation before, and it's probably before we had the podcast, but it was definitely before because it was before Quinshawn had an incredible year last year, and I didn't really have any beefs at all with our running game. It was good. Quinshawn was great uh, last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this year it's like if your running game is struggling, the last thing you need to do is make a decision rather who's going to run the ball every play. And you see Jackson Dart reading, and they're not comfortable in their line. And anytime you have a, a – RPO or a, not even RPO, but just a read option, uh, just a design read option running play with no pass option. You're still reading defenses. You're you're asking your line to block an extra second or a second and a half, two seconds. And when your offensive line isn't that good, it's just not going to work anyway. Right. 
and there's not any swaying from that. They're going to keep doing it. And the frustrating part is that you were exposing them downfield. I can't count in the first half how many times we had open receiver. We hit open receivers downfield. I mean, just total busted coverages. The one touchdown we scored the whole game. We moved the ball down the field because of we're throwing the ball down the field, and Alabama's defensive backs were just blowing coverages mm-hmm. left and right. They've done it all season. This wasn't an Ole Miss thing. Yeah. But that you've, they've shown it on film all season. You weren't able to take credit. You weren't able to, to capitalize on their deficiencies because you didn't let Jackson Dart do that. Now, I know the offensive line is garbage. Uh, I, I'm not going to say they're garbage. They're not they're good. They're not good, though. You know, uh, you know I've seen worse mm. at, at Ole Miss. Mm-hmm. But uh, they, you know, when they're playing well, he's got enough time to, to make – a couple reads, yeah. you know, he's not getting all the way to his fourth read or you know check down a lot of times, but but a lot of times with this Alabama defense, you're not needing to make a second read because the guys are running wide open down the field. Yeah, they're not they're the, just blowing coverages. They're not the they're, Alabama they're defenses not of the early 2010s. Yeah, but they just would not, and I don't know if it's uh, Charlie Weiss Jr. that is just calling the plays, uh, then he's just let Charlie Weiss do it. Uh, I know Charlie Watson is getting all the blame for it, uh, but if Lane is actually calling this, then he needs the blame for it. Uh, you've got to be more creative. You've got to get off schedule. This offense does not work unless they have a successful play on first down ever. It's impossible. They will not be successful on any drive if they're not successful on first down. Yeah. If they can't get to moving – if they get stuffed on first down, they might as well punt on second. It's the most frustrating thing in the world. Nothing dictates a drive more than first down for Ole Miss. And it's frustrating, and it's got to change. And the whole Lane Kiffin persona is, you know, he don't give a dang about nothing. You know, he's a gambler. You know, Joey, Joey Freshwater is just here to, you know, and he gets that rap, you know. But that's not Lane. I've, I've learned. You know, Lane is analytically driven. He's going to go for it on more fourth downs, but that's the most extreme he's going to get. He is very, very cautious with this team right now, and I don't know why because he's confident in his quarterback. Uh, he's uh, The weapons are a problem uh, the, because of injury. But he is he is not letting it rip, and I don't, under, I don't really understand why because that is his persona. But his persona is a Twitter persona, mm. which is my next beef. I've got, so, I got some Lane, stats on that, yeah. but continue. Yeah. So, Lane, my biggest beef now, uh, game as, Alabama game aside, I've talked about how I don't like the offensive play calling and how they're, they're, pretty, they're, they're not the aggressor on offense uh, the way that I wish they would be. Uh, that aside, uh, Lane's Twitter persona is starting to really rub me the wrong way. And this always happens. You know, you always you look at the uh, our, the favorite villains of all time in sports. You know, you know we always talked about how much we hated, you know, Matt Barnes. You hated his antics when he was playing for the Clippers or for the Kings or whoever. He was just always hated. You know, I couldn't stand watching him play because of how he played. But then he became a Grizzly, and he was your guy, and you loved. Right. Him. You know, my favorite Rebels of all time is Marshall Henderson. 
I have no problem with anybody for any fan of any other SEC team saying they hate his guts because that's who he is. That was his persona. Lane's persona on Twitter and his press conference persona is not Lane as a person. He's actually a pretty reserved guy, but he is. He gets ballsy in on Twitter, pokes the bear a lot, and he and he what he did with the Kevin Steele comments leading up to the Alabama game uh, is one of the most embarrassing things he's done outside of flirting with other jobs since he's been at Ole Miss. Uh, he's done this with Alabama in particular at least twice uh, off the top of my head. You know, two years ago we went to Tuscaloosa. He told the sideline reporter before the game kicked off, get your popcorn, get your popcorn ready. ready. And it was 28 nothing in the first quarter <laughs> or something like that. This year – he gets on record, I think we talked about it on the podcast last week, uh, where he said he got on the press conference on Sunday, the day after the Georgia Tech game, it's, you know, most people are not going to ask any questions about Georgia Tech when you're playing Alabama that week. You turn the page to Alabama quickly, and Sunday the page was turned, and he was asked about the Alabama defense, and he said that it seems like there's been a personnel uh, decision made on that defensive coaching room and Kevin Steele is not calling those plays. It looks like he has been demoted and looks like this other guy is calling the plays based on what the film we've seen. This isn't a Kevin Steele. So basically insinuating that Nick Saban has demoted, uh, secretly demoted the defensive co- their defensive coordinator uh, you know, three games in, going into the fourth game of the season. Right. And and then to go out and let this defensive coordinator, this team, this Kevin Steele-led defense, uh, and you put up ten points against them, and look like it was a, it was one drive that looked successful. The rest of them looked like crap. It was a punt fest. Um, to do that, to have that sort of performance after talking like that, and to insinuate such a thing. Yeah, you know, I mean, you were you were insinuated that a a career head coach uh, Kevin Steele's been in this business for a long time, and he's been a successful defensive coordinator. A great defensive stops. coordinator. T- Tennessee, Auburn, go down the list. Kevin Steele is as decorated defensive coordinator as you will find. Uh, and to make that insinuation on the Sunday before you play Alabama, and then to not show up, uh, it's time for him to. Lane's got to win a game before he ever says another thing. Yep. Because as much as I love Lane, and that's my point about uh, Marshall Henderson, if he's your guy, you love him. And I do love the antics. I, I do. I think it's funny, and I think it's all show. I don't think it. I don't believe in the uh, bulletin board material, and I don't. You know, I don't really believe in that. I believe it's it's all. You know, I don't. I don't even believe he's trying to get in their head. You know, I don't think that. I think he's having fun with it. It was a funny thing to say. But the truth is the truth. As you said that, and you made those comments about how Alabama was playing that, that, you know, resulted in them secretly demoting their defensive coordinator. And then they went and just worked you yeah. on the defensive side of the football. Uh, it's time for Lane to, to win a game before he ever says anything else. He said a lot of stuff, but he, Lane is yet to win a game for Ole Miss. He's yet to upset anyone. This is year four. This is Lane's team. 
He's yet to beat anyone that he shouldn't beat. Even in the 10-2 and two year, you know, you were on par. You know, you had a, a really, really good Matt Corral <clears throat> playing quarterback, and you were, you did not beat a single team that was favored over you. I mean, so it's, it's sad and it's got to stop until you beat somebody. That's a great segue into some, some stuff that's going to be kind of painful for you to hear, but I need you to sit here and listen to me for a minute. I mean, I'm, I've told you, I'm a realist. You can, right. I'll tell you 100% if I believe, if I believe in it. Well, it's stats. So, Lane Kiffin is getting – he's getting paid what? Is it $9 million a year? Is that right? Yeah, he's making big, big money. So, you're getting paid – you're paying $9 million a year for a Twitter and a press conference troll. Troll. Listen to this. So, Lane Kiffin's last win against a Power 5 opponent – that finished with nine wins or better, so a, a legit Power 5 opponent, yeah. like to your point, was right. when he was at USC in 2011, they beat Oregon. He is 1-19 against teams that win nine games or more in a Power 5 conference. It gets better. Lane Kiffin, and this is funny. I don't think better is the word it's, I don't use. It's better for me, but it's funny. Yeah. My uh, my phone auto-corrected it to Lane Kiffin, but that's a different story. Yeah. Lane Kiffin is 4-23 and against top 25 opponents in his coaching career. It gets better. Ole Miss is 2-6 and in their last eight games against Power 5 opponents. And their two wins are Tulane, who – it's a good football team, but they didn't have their Heisman yeah. caliber quarterback. Two not power five. I guess that's true. Like Georgia Tech. And so, like, yeah. like, who are you beating? So you're basically paying all this money for a Twitter and a press conference troll. They well, were a very I – do, I, do, I do push back on that. He is more than that. But I think the – He's more than that against Georgia out. Tech. The He's more than the, that the against these small teams. Out. I'm, I'm just saying that insinuates – that he's a trash coach. Uh, he is a good coach. It, the jury's just out whether he can actually win big like he's expected to based on his name recognition. You're not wrong on that. But, like, at the end of the day, college football is about results. And, sure, you can beat up on Vanderbilt. You can beat up on Tulane and Georgia Tech. But until you beat Alabama, until you beat Georgia, until you beat a really good LSU team, until you beat a right. – like a top-tier SEC team, the antics are just that. They're antics, and they make you look foolish. It's one thing to go out there, especially like, you know, this team, is this this weekend especially, like undisciplined teams don't beat Nick Saban in Alabama. He had eight penalties for 69 yards. Eight penalties is not going to beat Nick Saban. You're that's, right. It was a punt fest. Yeah, that's, that's not a big number. That's not a big number for college. Eight for 65 is – I'll take but it's still, if eight time. penalties, eight penalties is not going to beat Nick Saban when you're not moving the football effectively. And so you had ample ch- ample opportunities. I, I, I told you, you could have put this game to bed before halftime. And Ole Miss just couldn't finish. They couldn't finish. They couldn't finish. And it's funny, Mississippi State, who's normally known for defense, is playing trash defense right now. But against South Carolina, our offense was better. Ole Miss and Lane Kiffin and all this, this fun offense that he runs – struggled against Alabama. Blake played some really good defense in the first half. Those roles have reversed a little bit. <clears throat> but yeah, I uh I, I think Lane is a name. And Lane is a name because one, his dad is Monty. The Kiffin name has has been in football for a long time. Uh and two 
he is he had a meteoric rise as a young coach, mm-hmm. uh, which allowed the name to stick. And so those two things allowed Lane Kiffin to be what Lane Kiffin is. Um, mm-hmm. You look, he had – I think this is a problem with a lot of coaches. I'm going to step back. So yeah, uh, I said this about Hugh. I've said this uh, – uh, there's several other coaches out there. Um, some coaches are builders. They can take over a program, inspire a lot of faith, turn it around quick, but can't get it over the hump. Hugh had that problem at Ole Miss. He, he built them to a power quick, but it was a flash in the pan at the end because he couldn't turn that meteoric rise into consistently great recruiting classes, consistently great output on the field. Uh, the Everybody caught up to Hugh. Uh, that You see that a lot. One of the most obvious examples of this is actually in the NBA with uh, Monty Williams. Monty Williams has turned around two franchises in the NBA but wasn't able to win enough, wasn't able to bring home a championship. That is hard to do, you know. Mm. Uh, and he gets fired despite being a coach of the year, despite having the best record in the West two years in a row, gets fired because he can't win a title. He can't take that extra leap. I feel like that's where Lane's at now. He's built a program. He built him up quick. In year number two, he, he went 10-2 and two in the SEC, had a really good season, losses to Alabama and Auburn, and that Auburn uh, loss was inexplicable. It was a There was a egregious missed call, but we're not going to get into that now. But he he built that up, and he instead of parlaying that into recruits and stuff, he was cool with having his name mentioned for other jobs. But what that did, you know, not all press is good press in this situation. Right. Your name's out there a lot. People are talking about Lane. People are talking about Lane. But they're talking about not can he keep building, but is he going to leave? And that is not – that is not a recipe for building a team. No. That's that's the point I keep making with all these coaching rumors and stuff. And the reason why I said that he is not worth another coaching rumor is because it's detrimental to the Ole Miss program. It's detrimental to getting players to stay, good players to stay, right. and to getting good players to come in the future. If they're constantly worrying about whether the coach, who the coach is going to be, or if he's going to leave, uh, and then the antics on Twitter with you know. You know, always kind of taking – you know, he said last week, you know, this may be the last time I ever played Nick Saban. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's, it's – you know. And the apologist in me says, well, it may be because Nick Saban's 71 mm-hmm. years old and we don't play Alabama next year. I mean, they're, they're, we really don't know when we're going to play <laughs> right. Alabama again because in 2024 there is no East and West and we're not going to play them every year right. anymore. So, I mean, true, but also he was trying to – he was trying to dig at Nick Saban. It was. was a comment trying to poke the bear. Trying to, you know, it was it was a cute comment, mm-hmm. you know. But you can't keep making cute comments and, and not, not win and not and, win. And and that's what it is. He, at, at this point, I've always told you, I'm an Ole Miss fan. I will forever be an Ole Miss fan. I love them like they were my own kid. But sometimes <laughs> you got to look at your kid and be like, I have a hard talk with him. Like, yeah. You're messing up right now. And right now, uh, Lane is. He's he is all bark and no bite. Yep. He is all su- he is all flash and no substance. Yep. And that offense that he has orchestrated, he brought in uh, Jeff Levy. Jeff Levy's turned out to be an all star. He went on to Oklahoma. Uh, 
And then he brought in Charlie Wise, young kid, younger than me, I think maybe my age, maybe 30, 31 now, maybe younger. I think he was 28. Maybe he was 28 or 29 when he took the OC job at Ole Miss. Uh, brought in this young guy, and it hasn't worked out. The offense has not looked good since Levy. And so Lane's going to have to take over the play calling or change something up because the, the offense doesn't look good. And despite how the offense looks, despite how the team looks, he's still chirping, and yeah. I don't like it. Yeah, uh, I you, agree. It's the Dylan Brooks thing. If, you, if you're going to talk, if you're going to talk such mad game, you've got to back it up. And Dylan Brooks, my beef with him is that he always thought he was bigger than he was. He was, he was more important than he was, and he got in the way. Yep. And right now, Lane's antics are getting in the way. They are, 100%. And until you win some big games, you got another one coming up this weekend we'll get into here in a yep. little bit with LSU. You know, and it, things can be forgiven as an Ole Miss fan – you can be forgiven as quickly as you beat LSU. Yeah. I mean, that is just a fact. Yeah. LSU's coming in, top 10 team in the country. Uh, they survived a scare against Arkansas, but they beat the brakes off of Mississippi State. They lost to Florida State. I mean, they're good. They're a good football team. They, they are They are 100% solid. So far, How they're the best they team are. in the West. Yeah. Yeah. So far, they're the best team in the West. Uh, but, you know, if you go out there and they blow the doors off of you, then, you know, I, I said like this is moving week. This is this is Saturday at the Masters mm-hmm. where you've got moving day. This was moving week when you have all these ranked matchups. Somehow, I still am unclear on a lot of the SEC where they stand because LSU struggled with Arkansas. Uh, Auburn got boat raced by A and M. I feel like I know where where that team stands, but I don't know where A&M stands going no. forward. Arkansas, like, uh, like you said. I, like, don't, I still don't know how good Alabama is. I still don't know how good Ole Miss is because Ole Miss, I felt like left too – like could have capitalized and made that game look better. You know, Mississippi State, we're going to talk about in a minute, they look terrible against LSU on offense and, you know, terrible on defense. Uh, they look good on offense against South Carolina and looked atrocious on defense. You know, uh, we'll get into Mississippi State in a second, but I I don't the SEC as a whole, you know, I don't feel like I have a good grasp on it anymore. I was wrong about this being moving week. I agree. And I, maybe it's just a hodgepodge of of pretty good. Yeah. You know, I maybe agree. that's what it is. This is you know? not the SEC of years past. You know, Georgia has not looked the dominant part that they should with their schedule. Kentucky I kind of bought into preseason. They have not looked good. No, the only thing we've been guaranteed point. is how bad Vanderbilt is. We've been exactly right about oh, how bad man. they are. <laughs> They're awful. Yeah. Um yeah. but you're absolutely right. And we'll get to state here in a second. Um we kinda I can get into that now if you're done with Ole Miss, but I, I, I'm, you're right. I, I don't know. I don't know about a lot of teams, and we still – it's the, the calendar's turning to October. We're four weeks in the season. Usually at this point you kind of know where we're heading. The West yeah. especially is up in the air. It really is. Well, you know, and, and that, that's the problem, and I've gone on record on this podcast many times talking about how you need to quit scheduling cupcakes. Uh, Georgia especially, front-loaded, they've played four cupcakes. Yep. A lot of teams have played four cupcakes. Uh, Ole Miss has played good competition for out of conference, uh, comparatively speaking. But, you know, you had your first challenge and you failed. Uh, LSU, who I was a believer in, looked real shaky against Arkansas, 
who is coming off a loss to BYU. But it's hard. You know, that's I mean, one of those it, games it's just, hard to judge by because it's one yeah, of them kooky it games. Because it, it, it feels like – because that game was wild. So, what that's telling me is, is in, in two weeks, I think, or next is the next week, when that Ole Miss-Arkansas game's coming up, that's going to be another yeah, wild, kooky week. football game next week like it usually yeah. is. Anybody's capable – SEC as a whole. I it really like is. SEC in the West in particular – uh, with the unless Auburn turns it around, I feel like they look uh, Auburn and Mississippi State. I, I'm not. I would Fair. be surprised if either of those teams uh, finish at uh, over 500 in the conference. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, and you could put Ole Miss in that category based on their one SEC game against Alabama, if you want to. I can't prove you wrong based yeah. on that. Uh, but outside of those two teams, I feel like the SEC just kind of looks like a. T- a a bunch of pretty good teams and no great teams. And when you have that, you end up with a ton of parity and a ton of just beating each other up and, and about you, six teams in, in, you know, that'll end somewhere in the Cheez-It, Texas, mm-hmm. Music City. And you miss the Mayo college football Bowl, playoffs. You know, you know? Yeah, you, and you miss the big one, mm-hmm. you know. 100%. But, yeah, speaking of Mississippi State, man, what kind of transition into that? You're absolutely right. A week removed from looking awful on both sides of the ball, I have more questions than answers about Mississippi State. Like, who are we? This defense, which was good last year, like we were a top 15, top 20 national defense last year, is like 2016, 2008, or 2007 bad. Like, just awful on defense. We have no identity. We're not – we can't stop the run. We're not selling out to stop the pass. We're not – the last three weeks, the best player on the other team has absolutely crushed us. South Carolina didn't yeah, have and juice. That's one thing you've got to be able to take their best off. You got to be able to scheme successful. for Leggett, for neighbors, for Derosa, for these guys. You got to be able to scheme for their best yeah. player, and we didn't do that. And if you told me that Mississippi State had 500 yards of offense and 30 points on the road at South Carolina, I'd have told you we'd have yep. won that game walking away. Like, that game wouldn't have been close. Nine out of ten times. Yep. Nine out of ten times in the SEC. If you can do that on the road, you're going to absolutely smoke who you're playing. I, you know, honestly, I don't know where we're going to be at the Egg Bowl. I feel better about maybe Auburn, Arkansas, Kentucky, but – I don't know about A&M. I don't know about the Egg Bowl. I really just have a lot more questions. The one answer I do know that I have is based on the last two weeks, you can bet the farm on Jalen Milrow and Jermaine Burton being the SEC Offensive Players of the Week next week because we can't scheme for their best players. Like, cannot scheme right. for their best players. And so those guys are going to cook us. But – to the positives, Will Rogers, I don't care what he said. He said he kind of tuned out the noise and zeroed in this week. He read the tweets because everybody was talking about he can't throw the deep ball. He can't hit that deep ball. He had four passes that connected that traveled 45 yards in the air to Tulu Griffin. Tulu Griffin set a school record, 256 yards receiving on seven catches. Just cooked yeah. South Carolina secondary. But we just couldn't finish. We couldn't finish drives and punch it in, partly because – Tight ends were not blocking, and they were getting pressure all night. That has been an absolute liability for us. Uh, Rylan Goad is awful. The Georgia transfer, awful. Um, part of that's we could. You, sometimes you realize why they're not playing. That's you know? that. It makes sense. Well, in my notes here, it makes sense why Kirby Smart let him walk. It really does. Like it you makes know, sense why he left uh, Georgia. Speaking <laughs> of, yeah. Speaking of tight end transfers, we'll go back to Ole Miss just to make this point. Uh, Michael Trigg, who came from USC with Jackson Dart, uh, five star, former five star, thought you were getting something good. 
uh, he was he is no longer with the team. And right. Just an absolute head case. Yeah. You know exactly. And, you know you see Lincoln Riley comes in and he's like, yeah, you know what, I'm not going. You can go. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And so like you know. We looked a lot better. We still got to figure out some running schemes. This is Kevin Barbe's first game in the booth. He called this game from the booth. They need to lock his butt in there every week. He does not need to get back to the sideline because he can see it better. And the passing routes and the passing tree was so much better. And Will Rogers took advantage of it. He threw for 487 yards. It was his best. It was arguably one of his best games in Mississippi State. It was his highest yardage outing at Mississippi yeah. State. We couldn't finish. You know, our defense, going back to that, they didn't play enough for the two controversial calls to really matter. The fumble, it is what it is. One angle, it looked like a fumble. The other angle, it looked like a forward pass. All I know is most fumbles don't go 10 yards in the air as a perfect spiral. But, again, didn't cost us the game. Defense played atrocious. The one that the one that bugs me, that really sticks with me, was that interception. Because the NCAA rule says that a player has to – reestablish himself with both feet back in bounds and the kid pushed off with his left foot from out of bounds to catch the ball and then landed in bounds per the ncaa rules they got it wrong and they even reviewed it and still got it wrong that, that one, was a uh, that was a that was a, in the red zone too that was it? in the, at the 20s like the 18 where he caught it and we were marching like that one would have really that one really broke our back on offense because South Carolina scored and put it out of reach that made it a two possession game we scored to get it back within one but like that could have been our moment right. to really take that game over and win that football game on a bush league call again our defense played atrocious you're not gonna let make Spencer Rattler look like Pat Mahomes and then win the football game. I'm not a guy who blames the refs. That's not what I'm going to do. It's just not who I am. But that was a bogus call, bogus call. And it cost us potentially three points because we're we're well within field goal range because we actually have a kicker now. But we couldn't punch it in because it got taken away from us. But it just all goes back to that defense. I've said it before. I'll say it again. Matt Brock is in over his head. If we want to turn the season around, it starts with, Zach Arnett taking over play calling on defense because we're not scheming appropriately. We're out of position. Late in the third, in the fourth quarter when they're running the ball, we've got Nathan Pickering, a defensive tackle, spying on Spencer Rattler in the middle of the field. So Mario Anderson's getting five, six, eight <laughs> yards of carry. Like, is, why do you have a defensive tackle? Defensive no. <laughs> he made one tackle on Spencer Rattler in space by accident. Like, he just happened to trip him. Right. But instead, we're getting cooked by Mario Anderson because we're dropping a defensive tackle as a spy. Like, it's not like we're dropping Fletcher Cox back there. Like, you make Bookie, you make Bookie or, or Jet Johnson be that spy. But it's just like some of the stuff he's doing, it just makes no sense. Here's a stat for you. In his two SEC games so far, Matt Brock as a defense coordinator, Mississippi State's defense has forced Eight incompletions. Out. Two of which came from Garrett Nussmeyer in trash time against LSU. Jaden Daniels and Spencer Rattler are a combined 48 of 54 for 649 yards and five touchdowns. We've given up over 1,500 yards in the first four weeks of the season. This defense is historically bad and was supposed to be what carried us in a lot of football games. Right. Again, I mean, I'll say it again. If your offense produces 500 yards of offense and you score 30 points on the road in the SEC, you're winning probably 19 out of 20 football games. And it just didn't work because you gave up 38 points and 500 yards to the other team. And so going into this week, 
we're going to get smoked. This feels like one of those years where just Alabama is – they're just <laughs> – of all the years for Alabama to be down, it's the year that we're worse, right? Because it's felt like the year we could have taken advantage of that. Six weeks ago, I was so much more confident about an upset. Alabama's a 14-and-a-half point favorite. It feels like they're going to cover. But the wildest thing is there's a really good chance that both of our teams are going to be 3-and-3 three three going into the bye. Like, I, it's a foregone conclusion that we're going to be 3-and-3. Three three. Y'all are probably 3-and-3. Three three. We're the same football team, just with an identity crisis on the different side of the ball. Ours is on defense. Y'all's is on offense. we got to figure I'm some stuff gonna, out. I'm not going to concede an Arkansas loss at this point. We'll see. But, I know weird things happen. But – at the end of the day, like we've got, like you take your lumps this weekend, you take your loss to Alabama. No matter what Nick Saban says, he like for whatever reason, and this is what bugs me, man. Like we haven't beat Nick Saban since '07, but his press conferences every year are Mississippi State's very physical. They play a tough brand of football. They're gonna be a tough opponent for this year. He hypes us up like nobody's business to go out there and then beat us by 30 points. Um, but you take your lumps this weekend against Alabama. You learn, and then you beat Western Michigan, and you go into the bye week at 3-3 three and three with some momentum, and then you figure it out by playing at Arkansas and at Auburn. Like, you just figure it out at those two right. points where you really have to put rubber to the road. But, you know, kudos Kevin Barbe, especially kudos Will Rogers because he did – like, he showed up. He finally showed up and played a great football game in this pro-style offense. Part of it is because we threw the ball a lot more. But – you know, still some work to do on the offensive side of the ball. Got to protect Will Rogers a little bit better. They got some pressure. We had zero running yard, uh, ru- running lanes. Um, Woody Marks finished right. with like 27 yards on 12 20, carries. Yeah. It was just t- it was a tough night running the football. Got to find some identity there, but it doesn't matter if you're giving up 540 every game. Yeah. So uh, what's confusing to me is uh, you look at this box score, and I'll be totally frank with you, I didn't watch a lot of this game. I I flipped it on uh, back and forth. It was, was a great really football game to watch. That. It was entertaining. Yeah. Well, I was really tuned into that Ohio State-Notre Dame game, uh, which it was competing with for, for, TV, for TV viewers. Yeah. Um, but if you look at this box score, you know, we talked last week that you have – that Mississippi State has got a real identity crisis because uh, – and I talked about it going into the season. It was my biggest uh, question mark about Mississippi State is you're looking at you lose Mike Leach. Mike Leach tragically passes away, and he has built this offense around run and gun and uh, running the ball very little, passing the ball a lot. Will Rogers works extremely well in that Leach kind of scheme. And they three games into the year, it seems like they had just totally scrapped that all together. They were running, you know, super run heavy on offense. Uh and not utilizing Will Rogers in the way that makes him successful. You know, I jokingly, you know, like to point out in LSU they had him play action and bootlegging to uh, his weak side to to the left side of the offensive line uh, and throwing out routes, and that's just not Will Rogers. He looked terrible against LSU. Uh, and it seems like he re- he watched the tape watched the last couple years of Will Rogers under Leach and came to the same conclusion that I came to and everybody else came to is that you've got to play, you got to call the offense that fits the personnel that is in the game, that is actually playing. You know, scheme is only as good as your players and you can run that scheme that you love all you want to. If you don't have the players to run it, it's unsuccessful. 
see the LSU game for Mississippi State. It seems like he took a 180-degree turn for this South Carolina game. Uh, we were talking about how uh, Will Rogers only threw the ball like 17 or 18 times against LSU. Well, he threw the ball 48 times on the road against South Carolina. He was 30 for 48, not as efficient as he was under Leach, but efficient enough for 487 yards. Um, and then conversely, Woody Marks only touched the ball if you add uh, carries with receptions. Uh, Woody Marks touched the ball 17 times. He only had 12 carries for 27 yards. Uh, it This looked like a leech called offensive game plan. It looks like he, Kevin Barbe decided that he, you know, looked back at film, saw what Will Rogers did, and Will Rogers was really good slinging the ball around the field on, you know, short to intermediate with a, with a home run shot every once in a while. You know, that's that's what Will Rogers is good at, and that's he tried to let Will Rogers win that game and put the ball in in his quarterback's hands. That's what I said they needed to do last week, uh, what they were missing against LSU, and that's uh, what they did this week. Will Rogers had an outstanding game. However, he is having a – maybe he's having a hard time splitting the difference because he was all the way, you know, 1980s running the ball against yeah. LSU. And he went full blown air raid against South Carolina and didn't run the ball at all. Yeah. So and I, you know, game script did not work in that in the favor for the running game. Uh, looks like it was twenty to seventeen at the half. I mean, it was a full on shootout. It was yeah, uh, and, and where and and he let Will Rogers get in a rhythm, which was huge. And then Leggett got that big touchdown. I mean, like one play into the second half, just that monster touchdown, which could have broke our back. But we came right back and marched down the field. The most annoying part about it, and I meant to touch on this earlier, was our MVP so far this season is our punter. Sukaroff has been like, oh man, that's a good. Bad I know it is, <laughs> but South Carolina had. Five drives that started inside the 10-yard line. Two of them were inside. One was at the one-yard line, and one was at the two-yard line. The problem with those two drives is they marched down for a touchdown. Yeah, they, they and scored so on both drives. Both of those, a 98 and 99-yard touchdown drive. But it was 27-27 when they marched down. They got a field goal. It was 30-27. We were driving to go down to go ahead, and that's when that interception happened in the fourth quarter. And... We, I mean, we got screwed right there. South Carolina goes and scores, goes up by 10. We, we, we feel goal to get within seven. That's as close as we'll possibly get. But the biggest thing on offense, like you were saying, man, like it was, it felt very Leach-esque because he let Will get in a rhythm. And he was hitting some underneath stuff. He was throwing the ball well. He was finding the guys underneath. And then all of a sudden, there'd be Tulu running down the middle of the field. And Tulu had a monster game. He did. And he did. It, it was like finally, like we finally are using our playmakers. So – Next week against Alabama, I want to see more Tulu Griffin. Let him get some carries. Let's get Xavier Thomas involved a little bit more. Justin Robinson, the Georgia transfer, finally had a big game. He had six for 91. Um, but he was hitting Justin Robinson underneath a lot. We got Creed Whittemore back in there a little bit. But the story of the night was Tulu. This tells me, like, we still obviously have, as you and I have talked about this, air raid players. And against Alabama, if we're going to make this work, it's – Alabama's yeah. secondary is where it's vulnerable. We have, like, I got a better chance of going to buy a lottery ticket tonight and winning 
then we got a beating Alabama. But if we're going to keep it close and we're going to make it a competitive football game, it's going to be through the air. Alabama is still the Alabama of old and on that defensive line, and, and linebackers not as much, but they still defend the run really well. That secondary has not been good. And I think that's how we're going to keep this game competitive and not get absolutely boat raced on Saturday. Yeah. I uh, A couple thoughts. I'm, I'm curious to see whether Barbate tries to thread the needle and split the difference between his last two weeks and try to find a way to be more balanced. I know that balance requires a pretty even game script. You know, ideally you want to be balanced. If you get down 14 nothing to Alabama quick, I'm sorry, you're just you're, it's not going to be balanced. Uh, At that point, it's over. Two, I just want to know if you're ready for this Alabama game Saturday. And do you know what I'm talking about? Mm, uh, Central time kickoff, oh, yeah. 8 p.m., <laughs> 9 p.m., so East that Coast probably means time. like nine twenty, nine thirty before we kick off. I got a poker night with some buddies, and I asked <laughs> them to move it up early. So we're going to play that till like eight eight thirty. Then I'm going to get home and watch it. I'm, I'm going to have coffee ready, uh, ready to go to watch. Ends it. at eight thirty. Because I told them, hey, listen, I've got to go watch Alabama Mississippi State, and they said uh, one of the guys was like, why is the game at nine? I said, well, they can't televise a murder on primetime television, so they got to move it back to yeah. ESPN after dark. So um, yes, I am ready for the late kickoff. I'm interested to see what we're going to do to make it better. But um, two other games of note I want to talk about before we get into our predictions for next week and fantasy football. The other two games I watched were Florida State Clemson, which was an absolute classic it's oh, back and forth uh, great no. football game Cl- Clemson 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 100 <laughs> percent. Oh they had goodness. they had probably half dozen you, it's ways so to funny it is it is so funny that the whole story was Dabo was like he called his ex-girlfriend and said hey I think you still got a year of eligibility can you come kick for us and the guy left a Wall Street job in New York it got his start date pushed back after the first of the year, only to miss the biggest kick of his career. Mm. Uh, I mean, it. Listen, Clemson won enough. You know, it's either you know you you die a hero or you live long enough to become the villain. You know, Clemson did that. You know, they won enough to become the villain, and Dabo's uh, just wholly unlikable. Um, and so everybody got a big kick. You know. People were rooting for Florida State against Clemson. That tells you how far Clemson's fallen, you know, as far as it comes just to, to a Q rating. Uh, they just absolutely – Clemson and Notre Dame it should just be ashamed of themselves for how they blew both of those games. They Clemson and they Notre Dame. Clemson had at least a half dozen opportunities to win that football game in the fourth quarter, and they couldn't do it. And then Florida State scored on that first possession, got a big stop to win that game. But uh, – Championship teams yeah. find ways and to win tough football games, and that's what Florida State did. They do, and Florida State they they've been they have the, they are by far the most tested team four weeks in, and they are four and zero. I four mean, we're going to talk about our they're we're going to talk about our top four teams. They're going to be number one again for me. I mean, same. They can't um, until they get beat. They will be too much, but yeah, not not to spoil too much. But Ole Miss is falling out of my top four. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. I mean, just a comedy of errors. Uh, yep. When it comes to winning time, you know, you expect teams that have won multiple uh, national championships like Clemson to be able to uh, salt that away and to, to capitalize on the opportunity to win that at home. Yeah. And they didn't. Uh, they they totally crumbled. Uh, 
just just uh, they found a way to win to found a way to lose instead of found a way to win. Uh, Speaking of, and, yeah, and I, it's just it's just sad. But yeah. Speaking of finding a way to win and finding a way to lose, um, Colorado came back to reality this weekend. Dan Lanning had that team absolutely ready to play. That pregame speech had me fired up. They play for clicks. We play for wins. They're not going to come in our house and disrespect us. And I'm like, whew. And uh, Oregon came out with a point to prove, and they proved it. They absolutely beat them to a submission. And going into halftime, Dan Lanning said, we ain't done, and they sure weren't. Yeah. <laughs> they absolutely yeah. took that personal. They took Prime and M the woodshed. Colorado's still a good football team, but they're going. They're they're exactly what we thought they were going to be—a six or seven win team with yeah, some shine. There's nothing we, wrong with that. We there's knew they were going to. We yeah. knew they were going to lose to Oregon. Maybe not so much in as emphatic of fashion. They're going to lose this weekend against USC. But the fact that they won one game last year and they're still going to win six or seven this year is a marked improvement. Don't get me wrong, but. Oregon looked the part, man. Bo Nix absolutely torched them. I saw a funny stat. He was he actually lost to Oregon when he was at Auburn, and Justin Herbert was there. And now right. in his 11th year of eligibility, he is the quarterback in Oregon right. playing against Prime and, and Colorado. But they absolutely looked the part and cooked yeah. Colorado. I've got, I've got some thoughts on this, and I, I'm kind of going to just talk through them. And – uh, just live on air, just stream of consciousness. One, I love Colorado. Uh, I think Prime is good for college football. I, uh, I like them. The storyline is great. It it's great. Somehow, it feels like the the public consciousness of Colorado turned this week, and I don't know why. Because everybody was like, oh, Colorado's cute. Uh, I like Colorado. We're all rooting for Colorado. Got all the celebrities at the game. But it felt like normal, everyday folks kind of turned on Colorado when they played Oregon and they were excited to see them just get trounced. Like they had, they had, in three weeks' time, they'd gotten too big for their britches. And I don't like that. Uh, I felt like it's still fun. Uh, I still love the swagger. Yes, they got popped and they got rocked hard uh Oregon's really good and anybody who picked Colorado to win that game uh just bought too much into that hype that's not a team that's going to beat anybody good uh I've I've said many times I think that uh Colorado's wins over TCU and Nebraska said a lot about Colorado but it said a lot more about TCU uh, Nebraska is what Nebraska is. They're just not good. Haven't been since, um, what's his name? Tom Osborne Led, and Crouch. Eric Crouch. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so I was thinking Winky and Crouch. I mean, let's go bat. I want to say Chris Winky, but, uh, Crouch is equally as bad of a name. Um, anyways, I just don't like how everybody is seemingly, and maybe it's just my perception, what my feed tells me or what my my own perception of it is, is that people have kind of turned on Prime. And, and I just, you know, anytime somebody gets popular, it, it's, a, it's a problem with culture mm-hmm. just in general. You want to see uh, them fail. Pop, cult, pop culture, celebrity culture. Uh, you see it with actors. You see it with musicians, whatever. Once you get to the top of the mountain, people, the com- you know, terrible people apparently 
love to see you get humbled. But then they also love to see you come back up. You love to see somebody make the rise. You love to hate them when they fall down. And then you love a redemption story. I hate that whole thing. Uh, I, I think it's a problem with culture as a whole. I don't know why we celebrate failures. Uh, I don't know why we root for failures except for uh, Mississippi State. Hey, now. I, I, do, hey, now. I, still do, I still do root for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, uh, I'm, I still think that Colorado's got something. I love the fact that they're trailblazing. Uh, he has made no bones about what he's trying to do there and how he's going to go about doing it. And I love it. I feel like it's a great case study in the future of college football, what it could look like, and he's the, on the cutting edge of it. Him and um, oh, what's his name at uh, Texas, Texas State? Texas State, yeah. Um, I forget the, the the former big name OC that's the coach at Texas State now. Uh, but I like it. They were outmatched. Uh, they were. And, I picked and Oregon. I picked Oregon uh, plus twenty one. Mm-hmm. That's the safest bet that anybody's ever made. Uh, I felt like at the time I would have taken Oregon at 28. But, you know, that doesn't uh, – let's quit celebrating the loss for Colorado as much as we're appreciating how good Oregon is right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Bo Nix is incredible. Dan Lanning, uh, former Georgia assistant, has gotten Oregon playing really good and secretly – the Pac-12 may be the best conference in football right now. Yeah, 100%. And they're, they are. They're playing great football. USC is playing good football. Oregon especially, you know. And going back to Prime, like if he comes out and he's competitive this weekend against USC, it's all forgiven. And we're right back where we were. The one thing, his message has been consistent except for some of the, like, after the game, oh, we don't read the tweets, we don't read the hype. Yes, you do. You clearly do because you talk about it. But – I'll say, but I, I appreciate what he's doing. I'm not a prime hater. I, I hope they're successful. I love what he's doing there. I love the the hype that he's got for for Colorado. I haven't cared about a Colorado game in ever, and the fact that I stayed up for till halftime of that game against Colorado State tells you something. <laughs> the fact that I stayed up watch half. That's it. it. Tells you tells you tells you exactly right. But you know, again, he goes out. He's competitive this this weekend against USC, and they're right back in the thick of everything again. Um, unfortunately, like you said, we live in a culture where like hype trains get a lot of momentum going downhill and they can't stop. And so there was so much buildup. There was so much hype that that made that, that crash that much more colossal and look worse than what it was. Again, going into that, yeah, I, when, again, when I picked Colorado, into a, when yeah. I picked Colorado, I didn't pick them to win. I picked them to cover 21. I knew they were going to win right. that football game. Most people knew that. Right. But – Oregon came out and made an emphatic point that we are the better football team and we are still one of the best teams in the Pac-12, and they absolutely cooked them. And, again, coaches are salesmen. Dan Lanning, I, he can say he doesn't read the tweets, and I may believe him. I mean, if you look at the life of a college football coach during season, they don't see their kids. I don't know how much they're really scrolling through Twitter to see what's going on. I think they're, they know the – they kind of – they know the they have a good pulse on what what is out there, but and if Dan Landing told me that he didn't sit down reading tweets, I'm going to be inclined to say that that may be true. Uh, however, coaches are salesmen and they're going to say whatever it does that gets their players hyped up. And I've said on this podcast before, hype only lasts for the first half of the first quarter, in my opinion, and then the better team prevails. The 
the last three and a half quarters. But in that game, the first half of the first quarter, that emotions kind of rule, they were up 21 nothing. I mean, <laughs> they let the, yeah. the if, if that was emotion, it worked. And then they just showed that they were better the rest of the game. Hundred percent. They just they out athleted, they out coached them, and they just showed them that Colorado's not there yet. Again, and that's okay. The fact that you were one and eleven last year, and you even had any hype going into this game tells you how much this program is evolving, and it just shows you that you still got a long way to go. And I'm gonna I'm gonna say this too, uh, to sort of counter my argument about being too big for the britches. Uh, if you're going to talk the way that Colorado players talked on the field uh, in during warmups to Oregon, uh, in particular, Shiloh Sanders got got hot mic'd a few times. Yeah, it got rolling around uh, social media. Uh, if you are going to talk like that, uh, then you got to take your medicine. It seems that they've taken their medicine and they've they've taken the loss gracefully, mm-hmm. as gracefully as you know they can. Props to them for that. Yeah. Uh, but you know, if, if that he did get out there and he did talk some wild, he did, and, and and good on Oregon. You and I are both noted hype video fans, and their yeah. oh, their video was so <laughs> it was yeah. so good. That, and they left you know, all the, the coaches receipts may in not there. pay attention, but the social media managers, the video guys, love mm-hmm. that stuff. They, and they love action. Action beef, you know anything yep. they can capitalize on. Yeah. Uh, it was, it was infuriating. Ole Miss does the uh, the season every week. It's it's uh, it's an award winning. Little had awards won for the production quality and the the storylines for the season. And the season is a weekly recap of. They do it for all sports. They do it in baseball. They do it in football. But they do a little bit of a backstory, recap the game from week the week previous this week on the season i did not watch it at all because i saw that the little uh the the title or the little subtitle of it was you know bama week uh re watch the re you know the recap of the alabama game plus learn uh we go in depth about lane kiffin and his relationship with nick saban i was like pass yeah pass (laughs) yeah yeah it's when it's done well it's great when it's not done well speaking of before we get into our picks here in just a second uh, did you see duke's like graphic from duke football today about the uh for the notre dame game Uh -uh. speaking of not being done well it's this weird graphic of this like blue devil in the background holding a rope with this rock above a leprechaun looking at something it's a weird like like uh, well, you we get into weird, weird social media posts. Uh, did you see where USC tweeted out a picture uh, for the the game graphic? I guess of Caleb Williams riding a buffalo. USC plays Colorado, but that's fine. But in the background, it has a Yellowstone National Park sign in the back, Uh-oh. and Yellowstone National Park is nowhere near the University of Colorado. They just Whoops. threw that sign in there, I guess, because he was riding a buffalo. Yeah, they had to – let's make this look legit. <laughs> Caleb on a buffalo. <laughs> if you don't know what gallon a buffalo is, you're absolutely missing out. I will make sure and tweet out that picture from Duke football. It is an interesting uh, – it's an interesting graphic. Too. Yeah, I mean, I'm here for I it. I always love – you know, uh, 
college game day is special for fans, I believe. Uh, the it's not always what it it's not now what it seemed to be as a ch- in my childhood getting up and watching college game day. Still got your puff pieces, still got your sad stories. It's still entertaining, but it doesn't seem like it one what it once was. But what college game day is, it is important for fans. It's important for you know I've seen college game day in Oxford. I've been there uh, two years ago when Texas A and M was there. Uh, it was the second time College Game Day was ever there. And as many years as College Game Day has been going, I mean, we're talking, I think Herb Street's probably working on close to 25, 30 seasons, you know. And, I mean, uh, it's been a while. Of College Game Day. You don't find many first uh, first visits for College Game Day to a college campus. And I was listening to Herb Street third, on Thursday Night Football. He calls the Amazon Prime Games on Thursday Night Football. Uh, and he was Speaking of, it's a beatdown tonight. Yeah, uh, he was talking about how uh, he was excited to go to Duke because Duke has never hosted College Game Day. And so, as well, thinking back to 2014 when we got excited uh, for College Game Day coming to Oxford for the first time and we had the Katy Perry game and ended up going on to beat Alabama that year, I remember the initial excitement started because college game day deemed that to be one of the the most important game of the week, mm-hmm. and to have that distinction that college game day would come and the game is at your place is something that uh, that Duke fans should be excited about everywhere. There's a there's a bunch of you know white lawyer sons that's just going to be so stoked that <laughs> that college game day. All the Chad, is, Brads, I mean, and Kyles. <laughs> It's, it's going to be the pastiest college game day of all time. It is, but good for Duke <laughs> for being able to host it. Um, let's go ahead and roll into our picks next week. We said we we're going to do more next week, but we ended up doing a lot about this past week, but that's how it goes. So I got seven games once again. We'll pick it against the spread. We'll post this to Instagram, see if you can beat us. Hopefully you can beat me because if not, we're, we're currently tied, so we're not trending super well Instagram. But – First game, Florida at Kentucky. Kentucky is a two-and-a-half-point favorite. I do not believe in Kentucky at all after these last couple games. Florida got a little momentum after that Tennessee win. I'm going to take Florida for the upset to beat Kentucky. Um, You said Kentucky was two-and-a-half-point favorite? Kentucky is a two-and-a-half-point favorite at home against Florida. And that just just feels like a game Florida can win. This game feels weird. Uh you know, going into it, you've got Devin O'Leary that came from NC State to Kentucky. Felt like they wouldn't drop off at all after losing Manay's boy to the draft and picking up Devin O'Leary. And conversely, uh, Florida lost the number five pick in the draft. They lost uh, Anthony Richardson to the Colts. But even with Anthony Richardson, they were no good. And they replaced him with Graham Mertz, who on this podcast I've given the stats for how terrible he Awful. was at Washington. I mean, at Wisconsin. And so preseason, I've taken Kentucky plus uh, minus two and a half every single day. But, you know, Kentucky had a less than encouraging win against Vanderbilt this week. Uh, Florida two weeks ago dominated Tennessee at home. Um, uh, then played nobody last week. Kind of up in the air. Uh, I feel like. It's 50-50. I'm going to go Florida here uh, for the road upset uh, against the number. Mm-hmm. And mainly it's because I'm just 
they both just kind of seem okay. Yeah. Yeah, but, but both they both just kind of seem mad. I I still feel like Kentucky's ceiling is probably higher than Florida. Sure. The the fact that it's at home is is why they're favored at all. Uh, two and a half point favorite tells me that if this game was played at neutral site, then it would be a pick 'em. Mm-hmm. It's just uh, be a push. Ma- you know. Yeah, and so. Um, I just feel like Florida's doing three more to in. get better now. Like they look like they trended better. The again, nobody last week, but they got a huge home win against Tennessee. I feel like Florida's impressed me a little bit more on tape than Kentucky has in their wins, yeah. and so that's Florida why I'm will going. have the Florida will always have more talent than Kentucky. Yep, uh, but that doesn't always mean everything. Look at Kentucky versus Florida over the last five years. Yeah, Kentucky's been better. Yeah, Kentucky has been. Uh, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna take Florida here, uh, plus the two and a half, just because I'm not convinced either way. Yeah, I hear you. All right, I'll let you pick this next one first. So we've got uh, the defending national champs, Georgia Bulldogs, as a 14 and a half point favorite. Again, all of these lines are brought to you by DraftKings, even though they don't sponsor us. That's where we get them from. 14. Almost, if you had a contact at DraftKings, maybe they should sponsor. Right. Was, maybe you should ask. Aaron, if you're listening, I'm calling you for a sponsorship. <laughs> 14 and a half point road favorite at Auburn in the deep, deep South's oldest rivalry. I feel like the answer is obvious, but who are you taking? Wait, Georgia's only 14 and a half? That feels like a trap. Why is four, why? I mean, why is Georgia not like 21 point favorite? I mean. Auburn just lost on the road to Texas A&M by what, 21 points. Right. It, it was three scores, right? I'll look up that score. It was uh, It was ugly whatever it was cuz Auburn 27 to 10 on the road. Auburn didn't even look competitive. Uh I'm going to tell you right now if A&M is 17 points better than Auburn, then Georgia is more than 17 point favorite against Auburn. I don't care where the game's at. I'm not – Georgia has played nobody, and they looked like they've slept, walked through four weeks. But at some point you got to feel like if Georgia's going to be Georgia, they're going to have to flex their muscles at some point, and I feel like they're going to have – they're going to flex their muscles this week. I agree. I'm taking Georgia. I think 14.5 is easy money, man. I think Georgia wins this game, pulling away by at least 20 points because they are way better than A&M, like you said. And so, I'm yeah, I'm taking Georgia. See, I think ESPN uses uh, Caesars. Uh, Caesars. Yeah, uh, they've got it at fourteen. They've actually got a, the line lower than DraftKings. I looked at DraftKings again this morning just to make sure because I did these these yesterday and the line hadn't changed on DraftKings. It was still fourteen and a half. Yeah, um, yeah, that feels like a trap, and maybe I'll fall into it, but I'm not going to. I will kick myself if I pick Auburn and Georgia beats them forty-eight to fourteen. You know. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. Give me Georgia. Uh, it's just it's just about uh, being able to live with myself. That's the reason why I'm picking Georgia. There you go. All right. Next one. This is my upset pick of the week. Oh. Okay. Upset pick of the week. Notre Dame is a five and a half point favorite at Duke. I told you after the Clemson game, uh, I thought Duke was a good team. I like Riley Leonard. They've they've done their the, where they where I think they are better. As much like I like Riley Leonard, what I've watched about them is their offense and their defensive lines are are good. Like they're not just like oh gimmicky. They're actually good. They got some big guys who can play. Notre Dame struggled moving Ohio State's defensive is an defensive line out of the way. It's not a comparison. Ohio State's a much better, obviously a much more talented team. 
of buying into the hype. To all of our Duke fans and listeners out there, I apologize. This is a kiss of death, but I am taking it Duke is. outright to beat Notre Dame as a five-and-a-half-point home favorite. Yeah, so the the kicker with this is uh, it could go one of two ways for Notre Dame. You just lost a brutal home game against Ohio State. Uh, unquestioned blue blood, a multiple-time college football playoff attendee, uh, a college football, the first ever college football playoff champion, Ohio State, uh, and you genuinely let them off the hook. It, it's all your fault. It's not Ohio State's fault. It's totally your fault. Marcus Freeman, it's on you. Notre Dame, it's on you. Everybody, it's your fault. You respond to that two ways. Uh, you've got another ranked game, number 17. You're going to Duke. They're ranked number 17. We just said college game day is going to be there. The atmosphere is going to be hostile, as hostile as as Durham, North Carolina can be, uh, uh, Raleigh-Durham can be. Uh, but, so it's, it's you know, coaches love to talk about adversity. Can you, can you, uh, you know, be resilient in the face of adversity? Uh, this is what you're going to learn from Notre Dame. They're either really good, who got beat by a who let a really good team off the hook, and that doesn't change their outlook for the rest of the year. Every all the goals that they have are still in front of them, uh, so you can, you know, flush it and go set the record straight by beating the brakes off of Duke, or you're going to go lose at Duke. Your season's over. Uh, all the all the car you hold all the cards. You're going to have to to answer the bell here. And I believe Notre Dame will. I believe Notre Dame will beat them. I believe they'll cover the five and a half. I still believe in Sam Hartman. I think he is really good. Uh, Marcus Freeman's got some proving to do. You know, they did respond really well in his first season uh, after a week one loss to Marshall. They came back and uh, more or less run the table. I think they may have finished 10 and 2 mm-hmm. last year. 9 and 3, something uh, like that. Nine, something like Capped that. It off. Had a really good. They always play a hard schedule, yeah. a, a hard regular season schedule. Um, as an independent school, and um, so I, I think they've they've got the gumption about them to respond. In I mean, let's be honest. Maybe it's a little bit of bias playing in. Maybe it's a little historical, you know, evidence. Uh, I still have a problem picking Duke to win these games. His Duke historically is is not great. David Cutcliffe had good teams, uh, even when they had you know. Their best quarterbacks of all time, well, like Daniel Jones, it they were just fine. Yeah, I don't know that Riley Leonard is. I mean, are we ready to say that he is obviously better than what Daniel Jones was at Duke? I don't know, but I know that uh, no Duke fans are probably upset that Notre Dame threw that game away against Ohio State because mm-hmm. you'd rather them be coming off, be rolling in high. And you be the one to under, knock them off. Underplaying this Duke game yeah. rather than trying to avenge a yeah. terrible loss. So, of so. the two, Duke has the better win. Allegedly, they beat Clemson. They beat up on the other teams. Notre Dame has beat the teams they're supposed to beat and lost to the one team that was a tough game. Right. They're very comparable offensive and defensively, stats-wise. I think it'd be a good football game. It'll be a good good measuring test for Duke. We'll see. Um, Listen, I'm high on them. I hope they do. I think they're often like I said. I think I their their lines too. are really good, and I think that's why they'll win this game. Yeah, I hope. I'm, I'll 
I will find myself if this game is competitive rooting for Duke. yeah root like for chaos Duke. absolutely yeah uh, but I my head tells me that this, that Notre that's the smart pick has has got Duke picked a, a bad week to be playing right. at Notre Dame that's what that's the smart and pick that's not I mean I don't think Notre Dame's world beaters right. and I don't think they're national championship contenders. But I do think they're better than Duke. Right. And, again, that's a smart pick. And, remember, the, the motto of this podcast is fade rusty. So, there you go. Yes, Speaking of absolutely. chaos, last year this game created all kind of college football chaos in a team that was, that was headed to the college football playoff if they could have just won out. But they didn't. And the South Carolina Gamecocks upset Tennessee in dramatic fashion, just beat them like a drum at Williams-Brice last year. That place was rowdy. It was loud. It was rocking. But this year they have to go play at Neyland, and Tennessee is a 12-and-a-half-point home favorite. Joe Milton hasn't looked the part of the great quarterback that they thought he could be. He hits big passes. He struggles to hit the underneath passes. South Carolina obviously got a lot of momentum with a big SEC win last week, beating Mississippi State. You know, Even though it's State, it's still a, it's a home SEC win, and that generates some momentum. Tennessee's been kind of inconsistent. I feel like 12 and a half is a big number for an inconsistent Tennessee team. Drew, what's your take on South Carolina and Tennessee? Yeah, uh, you can kind of take what I said about Florida earlier and cut and paste <laughs> uh, South Carolina into that. I didn't have high expectations. I do love Shane Beamer. Mm-hmm. I do. Uh, I think he seems like a stand-up dude. Yeah. Uh, he seems like a – for. There's so much um, ego in college. Yeah, I think you do have to have an, a, a pretty hefty ego to be a college football, a successful college football head coach. Uh, I feel like uh, Shane Beamer is kind of an everyman uh, kind of figure in college football, and I like seeing those. I like rooting for guys like Shane Beamer. Um, I, I'm kind of up in the air. Uh Give me South Carolina mm-hmm. for the same kind of reason that I that I took um, that I took uh, Florida uh, as underdogs. I mean, I don't road underdogs. It's scary that I'm putting so much weight on them, but you know, twelve is a big number. Mm-hmm. Twelve and a half is a big number uh, for a Tennessee team that that looked awful two weeks ago, and I'm sure a lot of that game is emotional with Florida that you got historically terrible against Florida. Uh, you go to Gainesville, especially you're historically terrible. You won a game in 20 something years that gets in your head and I get it. And that probably played a, played a role in showing up flat yeah. in Gainesville a couple weeks ago for Tennessee. But like you said, Joe Milton has not been what anybody or a lot of people thought he would be stepping in for an incredible Hendon Hooker last year. Um, if I'm not mistaken, Joe Milton was the quarterback last year when South Carolina beat Tennessee. Hendon Hooker got hurt early in the game and Milton took over. Okay. This okay. was the so game he got hurt a, in. Okay, so maybe that it's not fair to look back at that game in particular because everything was on the line. And I know what it's like to watch a team with everything on the line lose their best player, especially early. Uh, that had to deflate Tennessee uh, more than I could have ever imagined to see uh, Heisman Trophy probable front runner at that point, mm-hmm. Hendon Hooker, number one ranked Tennessee, uh, to go down with an ACL 
uh, early in that game against South Carolina on the road. It got away from them. In that game, uh, Spencer Rattler threw for 438 yards and six touchdowns. Um, South Carolina seems fine. Uh, Tennessee seems good. Uh, Just good. Yeah. That's what I've seen so far. And if you're going to give me a plucky South Carolina team with swagger and that, you know, has confidence uh, coming off of a – they're one and zero in the SEC with a with a gutsy win against Mississippi State, uh, going on the road, and I get twelve and a half points. Just give me the Gamecocks. Yeah, same. I'm taking South Carolina for all the reasons you mentioned: momentum, confidence. Tennessee didn't look very confident even last week against UTSA. I watched a little bit of it. Didn't look very confident. So give me USC on the road. Twelve and a half is a big, big spread. Yeah. All right. A&M Arkansas in the pillow fight of the week. A&M is a six and a half point favorite. I don't know who Arkansas is. They've looked bad against BYU. They looked good against LSU last week. They just couldn't seal the deal. I don't trust A&M. A&M is a very hot and cold team, just like Arkansas. Mostly, again, rooting for chaos. I want to see that blow up with Jimbo and Bobby Petrino. A&M's figuring out on offense, though. They, they cooked against Auburn. They had it in rhythm. They were clicking. They were definitely playing a lot better football than they have been against Miami. That team has gotten a lot better from the team that lost at Miami in front of the 300 fans that came out to that game. And so they're moving the ball a lot better. They might have found something in their quarterback. They're 3-1. and one. They're playing at Arkansas on a 12 o'clock kick. My gut just tells me that Arkansas is going to be flat after an emotional loss against LSU, and I'm taking A&M to cover at Arkansas. So I occasionally in sports you see where uh, you stumble forwards. Uh, a good case of that for Grizzlies fans would be uh, uh, Rudy Gay getting traded, Rudy Gay getting hurt. It plugs Tony Allen in the lineup. And at that point, your core four is solidified for the next 10 years. Uh, it takes an injury. Uh, Connor Wigman was fine. He was good in some games against nobody. Uh, he struggled early. Uh, I mean, A&M pretty much had their way. But Max Johnson came in that game and continued blowing the doors off of Auburn. Uh, I, there's a solid chance there that Max Johnson is just better. Uh, they did this whole song and dance last year. They played three different quarterbacks. They they started the the cat that's playing for Georgia Tech now. I'm I'm uh, uh Haynes King to start the year. He got hurt. They went to Wegman. Uh, he got hurt slash bench. They went to Max Johnson last year. They're doing the same thing this year. They started with Wegman. He's hurt. He's down for the year. And now it's Max Johnson's turn. And Max Johnson is nothing if not good he's not going to blow the doors off of you he's not going to wow you with arm strength he's not going to wow you with mobility there's not one thing that he does that is elite but there's not one thing that he does that is bad either he is just solid he just he's just good you know good you know in in my vocabulary good is about a 75 i mean if you're good you're good you, then you got great you got amazing you know good is not the top of the line here you're, you're just good i mean he's he's good um arkansas last week uh they really put the ball into kj jefferson's hands they let him decide that game uh arkansas ran 
68 offensive plays. That's a really low number. Of those 68 offensive plays, KJ had 31 passing attempts and 16 rushing attempts. That is 67. I mean, I'm sorry, 47 of the 68 plays, KJ Jefferson directly determined success or failure. Wow. Uh, and so he was 21 of 31 through the air, 289, three touchdowns, two picks. That's what you're going to get out of KJ. He is a good quarterback, but his arm isn't what takes him over the top. Hey, he also ran 16 times for 48 yards, and those rushes are uh, a lot of times a mayday situation, and those 48 yards are very important uh, given the fact that he, a lot of times those – are coming from scratch. Yeah, on like third down when uh, it's there's everything's yeah. falling apart. Arkansas looked really bad the first two weeks of the year. The first three weeks of the year, they had a had a home loss to a bad BYU team, uh, and then they went to LSU, and in a rivalry game, the battle for the boot, things get weird. I told you going into it, uh, Arkansas always plays them well. This game gets squirrely just like. Arkansas Ole Miss always gets squirrely. Uh, it got squirrely. LSU should have lost this game. Uh, copy and paste what I said about Notre Dame here. Uh, Arkansas gave that game away. So now they're going to go and play Texas A&M this week. A team that's not as good as, as LSU. But are they going to get up for it? Or are they going to fall back? Uh, I have offensive coordinator questions. Dan Enos is is what Dan Enos is. He he. This was not his game plan that he likes to run with KJ Jefferson. He's he likes the traditional run the football. You know, we're not going to throw it around the yard. KJ throwing the ball thirty seven times is or thirty one times was not in the game plan, but it worked. So did they find something or did they not? Um. You said that line was what? Uh, it's six and a half points. A&M is a road favorite. Six and a half point road favorite. Six and a half points. Is this game played at Williams? I mean at uh, uh, Reynolds Razorback Stadium or are they playing this sucker at War Memorial in Little Rock? Um, it is at AT&T Stadium in Texas. Oh, it's that's Jerry right. World. Jerry mm. Oh, man. I was so ready. Yeah. To put the money on Arkansas as six and a half point home dogs, they play a stupid it's, game. Yeah, at Jerry that's World. why A and M's the pick. Stop man. this! Stop this! Um, give me, give me the hogs. Oh, you sticking with the hogs, huh? I think that KJ Jefferson's good, and if you let KJ Jefferson decide it, and they can stay on schedule, then he's really hard to beat. Uh, he's really hard to stop. Just let him. Use his legs until they give out late in the season like they do seemingly every year. <laughs> every year. Uh, hey, ride that poor boy to the wheels fall off. Yeah. Uh, give me Arkansas. I don't feel good about this because uh, Max, Johnson's, Max Johnson can run an offense and Bobby Matrino is running, is calling those plays. Uh, so the the ceiling is much higher for Texas A&M than it is for Arkansas. But the known commodity of K.J. Jefferson and – the big week he came off with, uh, he's coming off of. I, I like, I like Arkansas. All right, there you go. We'll see. We will find out in just a few short days. So we got. I like the fact that we seemingly disagree on every single one of these 
Yeah. 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 All right. So we got two left. The only two that matter. Um, first up, Mississippi State at is a 14 and a half point home underdog to Alabama. I said earlier, I think that Alabama is going to cover easily. I, this feels like a 31 to six or one of those 30 to nine games where it's just, it's just not close just because our defense can't stop anybody. I think Will Rogers can find some success against the secondary if he can get some time. You know, we've got to give him some protection. We've got to give him the opportunity to be able to throw the football because if we don't, uh, we, we're not going to run the ball very well against them. But so you have to protect Will Rogers, give him some downfield passes. You know, I am becoming more and more objective. We're going to lose this game. It's not – it is what it is. I don't think we can beat Alabama. We're not there yet. They – we're, you know – maybe If you're becoming objective by saying you're going to lose to Alabama, that – that's the start of objectivity (laughs) i think i've been more objective this week than in weeks past um we're playing laundry here for whatever reason that alabama jersey is in our heads and arnett tried to downplay that that's that's not our message because leach that was his message last year is like alabama's in our heads they always have been but i'm still gonna pick with my heart i don't we're not gonna beat alabama I just can't pick us to get blown out. Uh, I think state covers 14 and a half. It just gets weird. We find an early turnover. Maybe we'll find some success in special teams because Alabama's going to be kicking the ball off a lot. You know, maybe Xavion breaks one, Tulu breaks one. Uh, Give me the dogs to cover, but I'm not going to take them outright this week. Oh, I was, you You said multiple times that that Alabama was going to cover, and but, but you're just going to. It's going my heart, man. Mississippi State fans. No, I'm just going my heart. Hey, I, I, I said the, I'm getting more objective, and I'm still yeah. voting with my heart on this. I have no problem listening to your heart. You know, I think Cher said it best. That's Cher, right? <laughs> Listen to. I your think heart. so. Yeah. Yep. Anyway, um, yeah, um, 14 points does not seem like a big line, uh, given what it is. Uh, however, uh, Mississippi State has not had a bad time stopping the run this year. Uh, I looked back. Uh, they not allowed a 200-yard ru- a team to rush for more than 200 yards. Uh, I think they. I think it was 160. In the 160s was the most you've given up on the ground this mm-hmm. year. Uh, Alabama will try to set that mark going forward. Alabama will uh, try to rush the ball as much as possible. And so, how good Mississippi State is stopping the run is how successful they'll be. Uh, the problem with that and a 14-point line is that if Alabama's wanting to run the ball a lot and Mississippi State gets the ball and and stays competitive in the game a lot and has any success running the ball at all, uh, the game's going to go by quick. Just the clock's going to tick. Mm-hmm. Uh I think that Al- I tend to think that what I saw out of Alabama is that it's an offense that has sold out on rushing the football. Doing what Jalen Milrow does well, uh, he is an extremely flawed quarterback, but he is dynamic on his feet, and their defense is really good. Uh, they're uh, especially on uh, the rushing defense, and if Will Rogers is going to sit back there and nickel and dime them to death. Uh, there's a chance that Tulu Griffin has another big game. Uh, if he can break away, they bust some coverages. It's possible. There's a there's a roadmap there for them to cover and for this to be competitive late. The problem is the 14 because it's a low number. I know Ole Miss was a 7. 
It seemed like, I mean, you go into halftime, uh, Ole Miss is winning 7-3, to three, but then Alabama shut off the water, and as the game goes by, that rushing attack is hard to stop. You know, that just as the game goes on, and you're pat, you just keep hitting you, uh, linemen that are run blocking it going downhill. By the time the thir- end of the third, fourth quarter comes around, it gets harder and harder to stop them. Uh, if this game was any higher, I think I would go Mississippi State because I do believe that maybe Mississippi State found some things, and I know what I saw with busted coverages on Alabama's secondary last week that I think that they are susceptible to a passing attack. However, if I haven't seen Mississippi State stick with a game plan back-to-back weeks, you know, they ran the ball a ton against LSU to no avail. They threw the ball a ton against South Carolina and didn't run the ball at all. So what are we going to get? What's the game plan going to be at Mississippi State? I don't know, but I think 14 points, even if it is competitive, tied, you know, three-point game one way or the other in the fourth quarter, 14 is not hard to get to if you're Alabama and they and they wear you down. Give me Alabama, but I do believe this game it could be – there's a recipe for it to be more competitive than one might think. Nick Saban, and I think he was giving Lane Kiffin a dose of his own medicine this week, said that Mississippi State was harder to game plan for than Ole Miss, and it's probably just him rubbing salt in Lane's wounds. Yeah. And if so, props to Nick Saban for that. Uh, I agree. But, and we were competitive with them last year. They ended up pulling away late. But it was a competitive game last year. We've been more competitive as of late. You had to get just murdered by them recently, but who knows? But it's it's the pulling away. That's it. They lean on you. If they pull away, they, it'll be by more than four. Which we thought they would do. Now, we're not on the same level as Texas, but you know that's what Alabama does. They lean on you late in the third and then the fourth, and they just wear you down. Then they hit a couple big plays late to, to really seal right. the deal. And so it could happen, but we'll see. I got State. You got Bama. Last one on the docket for the weekend LSU is a three-point road favorite at Ole Miss. You know, LSU is coming off an emotional win. Ole Miss is coming off an emotional loss. Both teams playing in rivalry games, and uh, LSU had to hold on late and squeak out a win against their big rival Arkansas to keep the boot there in Baton Rouge, which is just an awkward, a weird trophy anyway. Um, oh, have you seen the the trophy they give at the Ole Miss LSU game? Mm-mm. Google that. It is right. the worst trophy you've ever seen. It, it's a big old – it's a massive trophy that looks like it was made in a high school wood shop. It's awful. Mm. Well, the the boot, the tro- the boot trophy, trophy the boot trophy is not a whole lot better. Um, but LSU comes to town. It's in Oxford. I think Lane Kiffin maybe learns his lesson, keeps his mouth shut this week, doesn't poke the bear with Brian Kelly. I don't know that it matters. I think LSU is a touchdown better team. I'm going to take LSU as a road favorite, three points over Ole Miss. Like you said, this game can get squirrely, and this could be one of those years when everybody's kind of down and gets squirrely. But I trust Jaden Daniels. Malik Neighbors is having a historic year. He's a, he's a first-round wide receiver in next spring's draft. And I think LSU wins, I'll say, by 10. So, uh, real quick, uh, for the YouTube vi- uh, viewers, that's the Magnolia Bow Trophy. Oh, that's gross. You see that? Yeah, that's awful. It's awful. Yeah. Um, yeah, so Ole Miss fans, especially elderly, I don't I don't put LSU above Ole Miss, even though I, I do it to get under your skin sometimes. 
when it comes to rivalries. Um, when when you play LSU, that you know it, it's a quote unquote rivalry game. Ole Miss has not has not had much success lately. Uh, last year they blew the doors off of us. It was the first sign of a chink in the armor. Uh, Ole Miss went down to Baton Rouge and just got gutted uh, by LSU and Jaden Daniels last year. Um, at home, it's your first big home game. It's going to be an amazing atmosphere. It is, if I'm not mistaken, a night game in Oxford. I believe it's a uh, six thirty or seven o'clock game in Oxford this week. Um, let's see, a uh, five o'clock game. Um, in Oxford, that's in my opinion like the best time to have a college football game. Uh. Atmosphere is going to be good. There's going to be hatred in the air. Uh, this is the chance for Ole Miss to save their season, uh, to to make a mark on the college football landscape. You can do that this year, uh, this week rather. LSU uh, being number 13 in the country, Ole Miss just fell to 20, dropped five spots after the loss to Alabama. Winning cures all ills. Uh, there's everybody's got a bad taste in their mouth. Seems like the loss against Alabama brought up all the animosity and the hard feelings towards Lane from the end of last season and the coaching rumors. It just seems like that swirls up anytime you lose. The easiest way to get rid of that is to win. Uh, LSU is good. Uh, LSU is my pick to win the West. Uh, LSU is beatable, though, like we've talked about on this podcast. Uh, the SEC West has shown to be nothing but... Uh, beatable uh i believe that one of these teams one of alabama and lsu will go to atlanta for the sec championship game with two or three conference losses that's what i believe or two or three overall losses in a in a couple possibly in in conference i don't think anybody makes it through the west schedule unblemished um and that's gonna have to start somewhere i i don't my head tells me LSU is better than Ole Miss. And what I struggle with is the same thing you're struggling with with the picking Mississippi State to cover the 14-point spread against Alabama. I'm struggling with this at Ole Miss. Uh, my heart, my head tells me that if Ole Miss is going to make a dent, they've got to do it this week. If they don't do it this week, you go to Arkansas on a two-game losing streak, and that's not a good place you need to be. That's not a good headspace going into what's always just a kooky game uh, against Arkansas. Don't want to be in that position. So, give me Ole Miss because I don't want to hedge my bets. I have a hard problem problem betting against Ole Miss and rooting for them as well. I'd rather just go all in and – lose it all rather than hedge my bets and and be a halfway winner and profit off of the loss of my team. I don't I don't like that. I don't I don't want to do it. I am I don't I don't think that Ole Miss should be favored. I don't think that most people should pick Ole Miss. Uh I'm going to pick them because I want them to win. There you go. And I think that it is possible. I think that there is a recipe there for a win because LSU gives up a lot of their defense is really bad 
for a team that I believe is really good. Their defense is really, really bad this year. They gave up 300-something yards passing to K.J. Jefferson last week, and I know Jackson Dart is better throwing the ball than K.J. What Ole Miss needs to do is get out of their own way in play calling and take some shots. If you lose 40 to nothing and you have thrown your best punch and it just doesn't work, then that's fine. But it, quit playing these games and what it looks like to fans is kind of like the Dan Mullen thing. Dan Mullen always covered. He was proud of always covering at Mississippi State. But Dan Mullen also seemed to call a lot of those games to keep him close and give him a chance late. I don't like that. Go for broke. If you get beat 40 to nothing because it gets out of the hand in the first quarter because you're going for broke, then that's fine. Uh, I also want to see at most two jet sweeps. Uh, just cut that out altogether. I think the first play of the last two games, maybe all three, has been a jet sweep. I hate it. It's garbage. You're taking a, a wide receiver and you're running him. 20 yards across the field, only to run another 20 yards to try to get the edge. Like It's garbage. I hate it. Quit running jet sweeps. Let Jackson Dart throw the ball down the field uh, and try to get Quinchon going. I don't know what's wrong with him. He's not breaking any tackles. He's going for about four yards a carry, but he's only got 200-and-something yards rushing four games into the season. It looks really bad. He looks like the second most explosive running back on this roster. Ulysses Bentley looks more explosive, like he's got more juice in his legs than Quinn Sean does, and it's it's the panic button has been pressed on him. Uh, I want to say that it's an offensive line problem. Uh, if it is, then it's not going to matter anyways who's running the ball. Right. But, but uh, l- let it all hang out. Go full-blown Joey Freshwater. And if you win, great. If not, you went down throwing your best punch. And that's all you can ask for in a game like this when you're when your back's against the wall and you're playing a better football team. That's all you can ask for. We so we didn't throw our best punch against Alabama. No, and this we is, didn't. This is your opportunity to do that. You got to step yeah. up and do that. And that's you know um, to save your season, like you said. But yeah. that's our picks for the week. We'll put those on Instagram. We'll let y'all take a look, see how y'all can do against us. We're going to do real quick our college football playoff prediction. Then I'll let Uncle Buck take us home with the Drewskis and the fantasy football chat for the week. But my top four, again, my fourth pick is always the team that impressed me the most. And this week I'm giving a shout-out to a former Mississippi State Bulldog. And they are 4-0 for the first Moorhead, time in a Akron. long time. No, sir. That is the Syracuse Orange Men at number four with Garrett yeah, Schrader. He's been, he's really been playing good. so well. That fake he had against Purdue last week that we talked about on the podcast, he's he's making great decisions. Tyler Lockett on the defensive line is playing really well. See, yeah, right, same name, same name. I was, I was I was hoping that you messed it up. Nope. You hadn't messed one up yet. No, so a buddy of mine is a football coach up in Massachusetts, and he coached Tyler Lockett up through it, and he's now one of their defensive tackles. Syracuse at number four. Number three, I'm putting Michigan back up there. They're they're kind of getting back in form. They've got Jim Harbaugh back as their head coach off of his suspension, and I felt so bad for him. Not, but oh, Michigan is Harbaugh. yeah. Michigan is is back at number three. Number two is Oregon. They beat the absolute just mess out of Colorado. They look the part right now. I got Oregon number two, number one unchanged until they get beat. Florida State will be my number one team. And I've got Florida State at number one. So, Florida State, Oregon, Michigan, Syracuse, my top four. You know, Syracuse has a big game this week. 
So Syracuse is undefeated, and they are hosting Clemson this week in in the Orange Bowl. <laughs> They're playing at the Carrier Dome. Yep. Garrett Schrader has had a incredible season so far. Uh, he's rushed the ball like gangbusters. Um, oh shoot, I just went. Um, I just went blank. Uh, Dino, Dino Babers, Dino versus Dabo. Uh, Dino Babers is a mainstay in the ACC. He's always got teams that are scrappy. Yep. I like Dino Babers. He probably should have gotten out when he his name was a little hotter earlier on in his Syracuse tenure. Um, but uh, that's an interesting game uh, going forward. My top four. Uh, Ole Miss dropped out. I spoiled that earlier in the episode. Uh, no shocker here. Um, number four, uh, jumping into that four seed was my honorable mention last week. Washington has just beaten the brakes off of everybody. Michael Penix Jr. is second or third in the Heisman Trophy uh, odds right now. He's been absolutely incredible. They beat they beat Cal lifeless on the Pac-12 after dark game Saturday night. Uh, Washington, number four. Uh, then Oregon's number three for me. Uh, Oregon, like you said, they've they've got they've got to be setting a college football record for point differential. Uh, RIP to Puddles. To, yeah, Puddle, Puddles, is, Puddles is reconsidering his life choices. Uh, uh, they won 81 to nothing in week one. They blew the doors off of Colorado week two. Uh, just solid all the way around. Uh, number three, uh, I'm sorry, number two for me, uh, looking through here, I've, I've just went blank. Hold on a second. Um, Penn State has jumped into number two for me. Uh, Iowa is a bad offense. I don't know. Did you see the stats from the Iowa-Penn State wideout game? Awful. Last week? Awful. Uh, so, I just want to run. It was 31 to nothing. Uh, it's funny to me because everybody's talking about the, the hot name. It's like the Iowa OC. Uh having the point having to reach a certain amount of points to keep his job. Uh Cade McNamara was six of uh five of fourteen for forty two yards passing against Penn State. Uh they ran the ball seventeen times for twenty yards against Penn State. Uh they had six rece uh had four receivers share six receptions for fifty six yards. Uh it's just it, it was bad and I don't care how bad Iowa looks offensively. We know they look bad. They're still a Power 5 team. Uh, that's not Power 5 team numbers. No, that, Penn State just that bullied them. Just, yeah, Penn State did. Penn State's number two for me. Number one, Florida State. We've talked about it. Uh, Travis Hunter was good again. That receiver, I keep blanking on his name, the receiver transfer from Michigan State who caught the game-winning touchdown mm-hmm. uh, this week against Clemson is – going to look he's going to be a bullet in the call finalist uh i just i think they're really good and there's been they are the most battle-tested team so far bar none uh they're the most battle-tested team and they've come out every single game 4-0 and so give me florida state penn state oregon and washington uh, as my top four and i don't have an honorable mention but like i said earlier in the podcast the Pac-12 may be the best yeah. 
I, I, I don't think there's a question. Yeah, right, right now. now they're playing the best, the best football, most competitive <laughs> games. They're beating you, up everybody. Yeah. Yeah. USC is good. They've got the reigning Heisman Trophy winner. Oregon State is good. They're deep. Washington State is good. Uh, Oregon, you've seen Bo Nix. He's a Heisman Trophy finalist. Yep. He's good. Uh, you can go all the way down the list. Washington, Oregon, Oregon State, USC, all of them are good. Uh, the Pac-12 is legit this year. And we'll see when the when the going gets tough and when it really matters late in the season and uh, in conference championship scenarios to lead into the 14 playoff, how they fare at that point. But right now, they look like the best conference in football. Yep, 100%. And so, we'll get that posted on Instagram. Tell us where you agree, disagree. Uncle Buck, we're coming up on that two-hour mark. Take us home oh, with some fantasy football. Yeah, so big week. Uh, we have some award winners, but that's uh, pales in comparison to what we want to get to uh, to end this. Uh, big week from our boy, uh, two-time champion of the Stanley Cup, Hunter Shaw. Set the the high mark for points scored on the season. I lasted for a week. I had 178 last week. Hunter gets 180 points, beats a Cousin Kirk by 83 points. He's going to be our buddy Stevens Award winner. He is highlighted. He did start Raheem Mostert this week. Uh, we talked about Devon A-Chain uh, off air. Uh, Devon A-Chain went for 50 and four touchdowns. Uh, Mostert went for, uh, let's see, where'd it go? Uh, he had four total touchdowns, 82 yards rushing, and 60 yards receiving. Had a 45-point total. He had 22.5 from Zach Moss. He had 30 from Kenneth Walker Jr. He could have beat him uh, with – he almost yeah. would have beat him with just his running backs. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he had 75 points with his running backs. And so – you add in Zach Moss, and that gets you to a, almost 100. That beats Kirk. With three players. Um, yeah. the uh, uh, I used to do an award back in the day. It was called the uh, Butch Davis Award. The Butch Davis Award goes to the player who had the most points on his bench. This was inspired by, for some reason, uh, the only person that knew that Alvin Kamara wasn't as good as Jalen Hurd was Butch Davis. Butch Jones. At, uh, Butch Jones. Now, Butch look Jones who's messing up names now. Yeah, uh, welcome to the Two Bucks Sports Podcast. Uh, so, uh, Bush Jones I was the only person that kept Alvin Kamara on the bench over Jalen Hurd. So, to reward the person who had the best performance on their bench goes to Michael Mutters because Devon A. Chain was on his bench just like most other benches. But he's going to get celebrated today with the Devon with the uh, Butch Jones Award. Uh, the most points scored in a loss, the Al Gore Award, that will go to Neezy falling to 0-3 when he got beat by you, 140-122. to Rusty gets the win, 18-point win, but uh, despite putting up a pretty good number of 140 for you guys. But that, looking forward to next week. There are two teams that are undefeated in the League of Avengers 12-team fantasy football league. And the two members that are undefeated are the two beautiful faces that you are looking at right now. <laughs> Uncle Buck sitting at three and zero. Bucket sitting at three and zero. But it will not last long because the matchup of all matchups happened this Sunday. Started tonight, actually. Uh, 
we play each other this week, uh, and one will reign supreme. There can only be one Highlander bucket, <laughs> and it will be the decided today. Yeah, yeah, it'll be so the Mad just, Titans, man. Let's go. Yeah, just a quick. All right, so both teams are four and zero. Or I'm sorry, three and zero. Looking to go four and zero. Your team has had a cupcake schedule. <laughs> uh, you have scored a hundred or three hundred and fifty-eight points total this year. I have scored four hundred and eighteen <laughs> points total this year. Points against the teams that I have played have scored 360 points this year. Yours have scored 303 points this year. So you have played far with you I mean, we're talking I am the big dog. I'm Florida State. I've played <laughs> the good players. Oh, I beat Patrick Jones last week despite him putting up 150 something points and you have beat a bunch of nobodies. You were Georgia this year. You have played four nobodies. You have won uninspiring games throughout uh, and it's about time you get tested, and you're getting tested this week. One of us didn't break 100. The other one has broken 100 every week, though. So one of us is – yeah, sure, sure, you've had some flash <laughs> in the pants, but one of us has been more consistent in those wins, and so consistency pays off. Consistency matters. Uh, right now it's a push. I mean, it's 51% me. I'm projected to win 126 to 125. It, that's going to change a million times between now and Sunday, but should be a good game. It will be a uh, a battle early on for supremacy in the League of Avengers. It looks like both of us made a good call in avoiding this Thursday night game. As yep. we were on the podcast, I started panicking. I was like, oh, crap, it's 7 o'clock. I need to look at because I had Jared Goff in my lineup tonight. Uh, Detroit is – beating the absolute breaks off of Green Bay, but it has not translated to a good game for Jared Goff, so I'm glad I put him on my bench. Uh, it seems like uh, the lines are up 27 nothing, and uh, all uh, took one touchdown for Jared Goff, one pick, and two touchdowns for David Montgomery, who has outrushed uh, Jameer Gibbs <laughs> Golly. Dave Montgomery has rushed the ball 19 times to Jameer Gibbs is two. I'm sorry, four. So, yeah. uh, I don't know why they spent a top ten pick. I, and that's it. They keep saying each week they're going to use him in creative ways and ways that you don't expect, and that way you don't expect is they just keep him on the bench. Yeah. Uh, good call for you. Uh, you left Jordan Love on your bench uh, despite him. I believe he is a top five quarterback in fantasy so He's far fourth. this year. Yeah. Uh, he is 17 of 27, 171, a touchdown and a pick uh, for only uh, 10 fantasy points right now. So both of us made a good call in just dodging this game altogether. Uh, we will put this all on the line on Sunday uh, and Monday night when Geno Smith, my quarterback, will take the field. Probably what will be deciding it's Monday night. Uh, all your players play on Sunday. I've got... Darren Waller on Monday. Darren Waller, Tyler Lockett, and Geno Smith on Monday. So I'm going to be looking for a major comeback uh, to win and stay undefeated in the League of Avengers against my good pal and worst enemy, <laughs> Rusty Buckets. All at the same time. Well, 
Yeah. Drew, great episode. Enjoyed it, buddy, as always. We'll see y'all back here at the uh, same time next week. Actually, a day earlier next week on our regular scheduled time, yeah. barring any kind of setbacks or, or Power Ranger events. So, uh, in the meantime, like, share, comment, leave us a, a comment on where we got it right, where we got it wrong. Follow us on all of our socials at the number two buck sports podcast on Twitter, Instagram, two buck sports podcast on Facebook. And I will see y'all back here next week. Drew, thanks, buddy. Enjoyed it. We'll see y'all next week. Bye, guys.